0: Greetings, music nerds, and welcome to Season 6 of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. I am your host, Steve Dawson, coming to you from the Hen House Studio here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm really excited to be bringing you this new season of shows, coming to you on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. I have a great lineup of fascinating conversations with incredible musicians, songwriters, guitarists, steel guitarists, drummers, composers, who knows what else. I've been having an incredible time diving deep with these folks, and I know you're going to enjoy listening. Just a reminder that this year I've taken out the short song samples through the show, as things have gotten way more complicated as far as legal use of music goes, so I'll be making an accompanying Spotify playlist to each episode, which you'll find in the episode's show notes and at the website at makersandshakerspodcast.com. So anytime you hear this cute little slide guitar sound, you'll know there's a track to go along with it on the playlist. We have some new sponsors this year, but continue to be largely listener-supported. Your help in keeping the show going is always appreciated, and you can do it with a one-time donation or a Patreon subscription. Patreon is a monthly payment of your choice and when you sign up for that, you get a bit of added content as well as an ad-free version of the show to listen to. If you don't feel like kicking in any dough, that's cool too but you can help by subscribing for free on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or just spread the word by sharing the show following us on Instagram, YouTube Facebook and telling all your pals about it. You can get links to all this stuff of course at makersandshakerspodcast.com Meanwhile, many thanks to our sponsors this season. Please check them out and let them know that I sent you. They are Isotope, ear trumpet labs union tube and transistor black mountain picks and spectra 1964. howdy folks and music nerds welcome back to season six of the show this is episode number 130. that's quite a few today on the show my guest is a killer guitar player and songwriter known for his work with his band cry of love and being a side person to The Black Crows, The Dixie Chicks, Sheryl Crow, Joe Perry, lots of others. His name is Oddly Freed. Hope everyone's doing well out there. I'm just getting ready to head out to Vancouver for a few weeks. I'll be doing four shows out there, a bunch of rehearsing, shooting some video stuff, and doing some recording and mixing. Should be a hoot. And uh, yeah, good to get back to the old stomping grounds once in a while. So uh, I guess there's a bit of news with the show. I guess what I'm doing is admitting defeat with the whole concept of how I'm dealing with not being able to put music in these shows like I used to up until this season. I've been doing this little slidey sound effect to alert you during this season that there's a song on the the Spotify playlist that corresponds to what is being talked about. And, you know, it just seems like I cannot win with you guys. I just have received a good chunk of negative feedback about this. And uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to make it interesting. And it seems like the complaints are overwhelmingly more than the positive feedback. In fact, literally no good feedback at all. Just people that have actually taken the time to go out of their way to tell me that the one and a half second sound effect on the show to tell them to go and listen to the playlist bugs them. Since all I hear is bad things, I'm going to stop it immediately. So you won't hear the sound anymore through this episode, starting now. I'm still doing playlists for each episode, and you can find the links to those in the show notes and at the Music Makers and Soul Shakers website. And, you know, it just seems like I can't win on this one. I can't put actual music in the show anymore. I'm not legally allowed to. Apple and Spotify have both threatened to take the show down if I do that again. And so that's done, and now I'm actually having to go back and remove music from old episodes as they get flagged. And it's a bit of a nightmare, and I don't really want to get into it. And I thought the, you know, the little sound effect was a good solution, but I guess not. So please do check out the playlist in this week's show notes or the link on the podcast website. And, you know, feel free to send a positive or encouraging note if you feel so inclined. That might be kind of nice to have some to offset all the negative comments. Thanks, folks. So um, just a reminder also that the henhouse Hang that you've been hearing about throughout the season now has some 2023 dates. And it is a little early, but we are booking spots if you're interested in that. The dates are now going to be September 25 to 28, which is final now. And that's right after the Americana Fest here in Nashville. It's going to be a blast. Hope some of you might uh, want to come and be a part of it in 2023 to learn about recording and hang out with some like-minded folks. It's going to be fun. So please have a look at that at stevedawson.ca. All right, what a treat to have Audley Freed here this week. I met Audley on stage, as a matter of fact. We were both sitting in with our pal Alvin Youngblood Hart over at the Old Family Wash here in East Nashville a few years back, and that was a lot of fun. And I've run into him a few times over the years, and lately we were, brother, we were COVID bros because we both likely got it at the same show. It was a Los Lobos show here in East Nashville at the Basement East. We both apparently got COVID at that show. Woo, that's cool. That's a, that's a good bonding moment, I guess. In any case, Audley is a master of groove and tone, and his undeniably cool approach to playing rock and roll guitar has landed him gigs with the Black Crows. He's played with Jimmy Page, Joe Perry, the Dixie Chicks, Chris Robinson, and lots more. He started out in North Carolina playing in cover bands and eventually started a somewhat legendary band in the 90s that was certainly on my radar as a youngster. They were called Cry of Love. They had some hits back in the day and some success, but as you'll hear, he kind of burnt out on that after a while, and that allowed him the time to become a side person. And he's been steadily working at that ever since. He's really never gone back to playing his own music that much in bands, although he does occasionally. But uh, he's basically been a, a constantly working side person ever since. And he's a great relaxed dude to hang and talk with and had some great insight into how to get cool gigs, keep the cool gigs, show up prepared for the cool gigs. And you know, it's been an, an ethos that's seen him through decades in this crazy industry and likely will for many more. So Oddly does not, to my knowledge, have a website. I looked, I did search around and couldn't find one or much presence on the old socials, but you can uh, see him these days wherever Cheryl Crow is playing. He's in her band, of course, and I highly recommend catching her and her band if you can. They're killer. And uh, one last thing before we get going here, I'd just like to shout out to somebody who made a donation, and I can't remember if they signed up to Patreon or not, uh, a couple weeks back, Simon Renton. So thank you. I couldn't do it without you. Also, just a quick reminder that we will be giving away a really cool Union Tube and Transistor C-Verb reverb pedal at the end of this season to a random Patreon subscriber. So as long as you subscribe before the end of season six, you'll be enrolled in that groovy little giveaway. And thanks to Union Tube and Transistor for supplying the pedal to give away. All right, let's get down to it. Enjoy my conversation with Oddly Freed. Are things back in in full swing as far as like the Cheryl gig goes and and local stuff that you're doing uh, yeah the Cheryl stuff has been busy we've been
1: we we had a busy summer
0: yeah uh, it seemed like it that is you know I yeah
1: I would say as far as the definition of quote-unquote full swing I would yeah. say that's in full you know had gotten back into full swing
0: I had Fred on the show recently, oh, right on. and he was awesome. saying that you guys had sort of dodged bullets with, like, there was no big COVID emergencies and nobody got sent home or anything like that. Uh,
1: I missed some shows <laughs>
0: this year. We got COVID at the same show. We both got That's COVID right. at Los Lobos, at Los Lobos,
1: yeah, I think I did. I'd actually <laughs> I actually went over to too. the <laughs> Nelson Drum Shop to see Adam Levy and Rich Hinman play oh, yeah. uh, earlier that night, and I know some people there that got it. Oh. But I can't imagine there was only it, the, the... The Lobos show was pretty packed. I've been really, really careful for you know, however long. Yeah. And that had to have been where where it happened. But yeah, I, I ended up missing some stuff. Um which was merciful to me, not because I had gone past the five days, but I just felt terrible. You know, yeah. I, I was supposed to go do a gig in New Orleans at Jazz Fest. Oh shit. Uh, and with Cheryl or with No, else? Uh, this last waltz thing. Oh, okay. um, and and Warren Haynes was he was gonna do it but he broke his shoulder earlier in the year and thought he was gonna be ready to fell do it. Hell or something, and so, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna go down and sub for him and had to miss that. Shit. and, and uh m- miss some TV stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, what do you say live V, man? Yeah, what man. are you gonna do? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, nobody yeah, so, died, nobody lost a
0: limb. So. so what happens when you so you you've had this Sheryl Crow gig for what, ten years, maybe? Something like that. So yeah. it's to say ten years or whatever. Yeah. It's like a solid gig for you. What happens when you miss a show? Like, who? Like, do you have to find a sub? <laughs> like, uh, I know, like, small gigs, like they, that's how it works. But well, does it work they, with like Yeah, it's too?
1: a, it's a. There's just moving parts, and different people do different things. And yeah. this summer, you know, we we've been a man down because of a family illness. Um, so I shift over to some other stuff, and then we brought oh, okay. another guy in, yeah, uh, to sub, but not specifically sub because the parts get divvied up differently. You right. know, we yeah. just do. figure it out basically you know yeah and and, uh so so yeah we never had a like everybody's going home in the middle of dates or anything like
0: cheryl crow getting COVID would would have if we were in the middle of a bunch of shows yeah (laughs) yeah we would
1: or, or anybody in the band i don't know it seems to me like that's what people weren't that isn't that what people were
0: doing like if somebody got yeah. it they just kind of were like somebody in the camp has covid we have to shut the yeah thing down. it was happening so, like i was out in april with my little band and it was just like everyone we met was like on the on their toes just terrified of not of getting covid particularly because it's not even that scary anymore but like just having to shit can the whole tour so yeah it's a lot man it's a huge it's a lot and that would have like, like ruined me personally like for my little crew and and all our travel plans and stuff it would be devastating you know yeah
1: absolutely and just the having that cloud sort of follow you around even if nobody does get sick it's a little bit exhausting i'm sure especially <laughs> when exhausting. you're in char- charge because it's exhausting enough just to go out and play yeah, i know right know? so yeah and that was two years after the yeah. fact you know so i hope that we're going to uh you know, I hope it's going to continue to, to sort of, you know, become more and more minimal. I guess is the yeah. best way. But yeah, who, but who knows, right?
0: So we'll we'll talk about this gig a bit more as we as we go. But here's something that I I, I noticed about your career, and I've, I'm sure you've noticed this as well. But I wondered if this is something that you've like ever really picked up on, and maybe we could talk about it. Is that you've come into like some amazing gigs. At the stage where the artist has just finished a record so i noticed that with like you did that with joe perry you did that with the dixie chicks you did that with black crows you did that with somebody else too uh well, could be uh have you ever, like,
1: oh, oh uh we did a jacob dylan tour uh uh-huh. on a record that he made that you didn't no it was just him. so
0: i mean it's no it's no reflection on anything. I just find it interesting in some way that that has happened to you a number of times that that t- the timing has worked out such that you're not playing on the record. I mean, it's often, I think it's led to you playing on the next record or whatever, but you seem to be the guy that people pick up when something happens or someone leaves the band or something uh, like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. <laughs> I don't know. I never really
1: put that sort of into a narrative, you know, uh, uh, yeah. The, well, the Crows thing, they needed a lead guitar player, regardless of the record or not. I mean, you know, quite frankly, I think they had been inching towards... I think that, that some of the guys in the band had participated minimally in a, in, in a couple of recordings before that, you know. Okay. Um, so they made that, rec- that By Your Side record without a lead guitar player. Really? So, yeah. Okay. So, so they just needed to fill the position... Yeah, going forward. So Mark you know? Ford
0: left when, like, in.
1: Uh, I'm not really sure, but he's
0: not on that record, right. and and nobody took his place. Oh, okay. So, so he's the last like full time guitarist for the band until you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And um, yeah, I'm
0: trying to think of in the chicks world. In the Dixie Chicks, it seems like you came in again, like right after they made. They made a record, and the and the, Larry Nixle, the keyboard player, the,
1: who look him up. Yeah. The mind blowing. Rest in peace, Larry. Awesome. Larry Nectal. We could have a whole nother podcast discussion, a whole nother episode <laughs> just talking about him. Had played on the record. And Sebastian Steinberg, the bass player, had played on the record. And the rest of the guys were put together just to go and tour. Was Dave Grissom in the band? Grissom was the band leader. He was the MD. Yes, he okay. was the MD. And that's one of the big reasons that I, that I took the gig.
0: You okay. Know, Did you uh, know him before that?
1: A little bit. And I was a big fan of his. And uh, yeah, we had, we had had some discussions and, and hung out yeah. a little bit. And uh, he was the band leader. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay. So sure. So
0: that's Dixie Chicks. Uh, I have a. I probably have the year written down here somewhere, like oh four, oh five, like oh. That was like a um,
1: oh man, dude, 0-6, 06.
0: 06. Okay, yeah. so you go into this band that's massive at that point. I, I'm guessing like you're playing stadiums and stuff.
1: well arenas, and and remember this is the tour after they had had
0: all that brouhaha oh, it with was. the country radio thing. Oh. This is like their was that still playing out, or was that kind of like quiet? I think
1: it's probably still is now. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah, but but yeah, well, it was the uh, it was their first time. You know, back in the public eye with a yeah. new record and and shows
0: since all that happened. You know? Okay, so let's talk about that whole thing of like coming into a situation of that scale where there is a musical director and you're—I don't know if you're—if you thought of yourself as like the second guitar player. I don't know what the rules. Oh were no, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Grissom, Grissom was like the 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 main guitar player, and you were the rhythm player, or yeah. You were well,
1: the, I mean, we you know. Right. In the first conversation I had with him, he was like, "You know, we'll get we'll get you some solos." Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he he was definitely not domineering or lording. Okay. Up. I mean, their their music is not really sort of geared toward right that kind of thing.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, were you having to learn specific parts, or did he just kind of say like, "Yeah, fit yeah, we, in we, talked, where about you, we okay. talked about it. We talked about it." And
1: I ended up, you know, like really uh, uh boning up on my mandolin.
0: Oh, jobs, okay. cause there
1: were several songs that i played mandolin on yeah and uh you know I, if there was a 12 string acoustic i would play that mm-hmm. i can't remember how we divvied up a lot of the other stuff but but you know he he had done the tour before okay and so you know he kind of had a, a a sort of a, a regimen however you would want to put it you know he you knew know, what they wanted he, at he, least Well, he already, liked and... yeah and he already was like well i'm playing these parts on these songs because this you know yeah i did this last time um which only makes sense. So I filled it in the blanks, you know, I would say, yeah.
0: Does a big touring act like that, I, I mean, I'm, I know it's different for each act, but like in that case of the Dixie Chicks, did they rehearse a lot for those? Oh, yeah. Really?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We rehearsed and rehearsed, <laughs> like and, how much? rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. Okay. I can't remember, it was a long time ago, but we rehearsed in Austin and I think we might've gone back to Austin and rehearsed some more. And then we did, a, I think a week of, pre-production rehearsals at the forum in la oh wow which we never played there but oh they just rented it out i guess they just rented it out i should have band practice
0: (laughs) 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 wow so uh, yes there was no shortage of that structured like was it were you kind of like oh my god another fucking rehearsal or was it pretty like what was the process like
1: um Well, there's a lot of moving parts yeah you know and so how big was the band it was big let's see david and i and sebastian on bass fred was on drums larry necktel oh fred fred was in the band yeah Keith. that's where i first met him okay Uh, keith sewell uh on amazing acoustic guitar and oh god i'm gonna and and oh and pete finney on steel guitar oh so uh yeah that's a lot i didn't even count however many people that is
0: plus the three girls right so, so ten plus.
1: Yeah. So you know
0: you're using in ear monitors. Yeah. Was that new to you? I'm guessing you didn't do that with the Black Crows. No, you? that was new to me. I, I think that maybe that was the first time I. Uh uh-huh. I'm trying to think. I'd imagine that that's like uh, when you're playing shows that size, it's probably way better using in ears. Yeah,
1: I mean. and you know if you're playing a lot of acoustic guitar, right, and stuff, you know you're not hearing all that clunk coming through the through yep. the monitor. You know, for electric guitar, I prefer
0: to just have a wedge. Yeah. But you, know, you couldn't do that on this tour. Couldn't do that on this tour. Um, so were you putting amps like below the amps stage? Amps were in a box in below a box. the stage. Now, yeah. they
1: were real. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, these days. A lot of people are using tempers sure or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so there was all that. And so there's a lot of moving parts, you know. Yeah. And so just when you're talking about a production, and that's what that is, just the idea of, okay, how are we going to pull off these guitar changes or how, or how are the girls going to, you know, we're going to go from banjo to, Dobro on this song, you know, just rehearsing that stuff. Right. So there's not dead air because it's an, it's, you know, it's an entertainment. It's not, we're not, it's not the Grateful Dead. You know, <laughs> totally. you know, you know, what I mean. Yeah, I like know exactly this. what I mean. Yeah, so it's, just that logistically right. requires a lot of time, like almost choreography,
0: really. Yeah, without the without the dance without the,
1: the moves. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: so, so so, but there was a lot of stage direction in the in the sense of like get from here to there quickly, get this guitar. Yeah, it,
1: yeah. When if you say stage direction, as far as like to get the next, to, you, you know, to to have the instrument that you need. To to keep the thing rolling, yeah, that was the stage direction. You know, I mean, and was was that somebody's job to sort all that shit out? No, okay, no, they just the tech's, You know, they yeah. we figured all that out. You yeah. know, um, as far as stage direction, like you stand here and you do this and wear these clothes and none of that. All right, you know, uh, that's, that's good. I'm not sure that I would really do well in a situation <laughs> like that. But uh, so that you know, coupled with the fact that you got two different monitor engineers, you got a band engineer, and then you have the engineer for the for the girls oh so on, separate, on separate, separate separate consoles like entirely you know, separate yeah, consoles, was, wow. and scenes and all that you know so yeah it was there was a lot of things to
0: to uh to sort through yeah and like musically enjoyable
1: yeah and it was a really great learning experience um you know like i said i had to really bone up on my mandolin chops right um that's kind of nice to like. which is a bit of a you know i i hate to even use the word chops but it was uh <laughs> but i was able to learn some things yeah you know and and figure out some voicings and and, and things that i had not really explored because i'm a very i'm a very very minimal mandolin player yeah but uh so that was that but man really honestly that band those guys the guys in the band were all so good yeah just to be around larry even just to be around him, but yeah. you know to be able to hang with david and 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 play with him and Sebastian and forever amazing rhythm section Pete sounded great.
0: How much did you and and David have to like orchestrate your parts together as far as two two guitars? Goes? not nothing was, really yeah.
1: you know I mean we it was really uh there wasn't much on the fly we were they, they were really good about getting us the information ahead of time, mm-hmm. so I did a lot of shedding before we ever did the first rehearsal like like a lot, and yeah. we got the. The Music, like, way we had plenty of time, and um, uh, you know, there was no YouTube at that point, but the, we did have some live DVDs, so I kind of sussed out what David
0: was playing already. Were you replacing someone, or were you just adding to them? Um,
1: I can't really remember, okay. I'm not really sure. I don't know okay. if anybody played electric guitar,
0: yeah, before that,
1: another guitar, but see, they'd made this record with Rick Rubin. Oh, that was that record that was okay. a bit more like some 12 string electric and some 12 string acoustic it was a bit more did grissom play on that record no okay dare i say heartbreakers right ish yeah if you know if it uh without sounding like that but you you know i think it, it had been probably influenced uh by that sort of uh method instrumentation wise right. yeah and, and stuff I and mean, campbell played on the record and benmont oh i don't know i'm not sure if, if benmont did or not but Probably he did. If he didn't, I mean, I know he had recommended Larry, Nettel, Okay. you know. Yeah. Um, so you know, and Sebastian, these guys are just operating at a at a super high level, not just technically. You know, the intentions of the performances are, you, you know, what, exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, people know are exactly operating at a level that's that's you don't really, you're not guaranteed to to get that in school. You know, yep. so uh, that was one of the the real the. That was
0: probably the takeaway for me as far as the the the, the really great thing about it. You yeah. Know. Strictly from like a practical side, when you get a gig like that, what's the understanding as far as like your time commitment in the early stage? Like when you when they say okay, you've got the gig, what what are you expected to do as far as like blocking off your calendar? Uh, where block- does that end?
1: Uh, 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 well, I'm. Or you're I'm, just I'm,
0: like fully committed, a hundred percent. I'm sure they're all they're all different. Mm-hmm. In this case, though, in that case, it was you know we need you for this year. Okay,
1: so that's that's how
0: that worked. Yeah, and there yeah. was just no discussion. It was just like you're we need the calendar cleared the entire yeah. year. Yeah,
1: yeah, okay. you know, and they'll and and you will be paid not in, in increments based on w- week to week or
0: day to day or right. when we're off or half pay or any of that stuff. It was just like here's the figure. Yeah, you know, you're covered and, for the year, and, and then. And then the and then was that it? You were there. You were in the band for yeah, a year. Yeah, and much. then they were. But we were interesting. They had actually booked some dates to go out the next year, and then they canned all of them. Oh,
1: okay. I think.
0: Yeah, you know. Okay, let's let's talk early. Let's go way back. So you're from North Carolina. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, I'm from North Carolina. Yeah.
0: Uh, what part of pretty North Carolina?
1: I'm from down. Near, my mom's family is from down near the coast. I'm from a little town called Burgaw, which is okay. about. Uh, If anybody is familiar with that area, they will be familiar with Wilmington, which is the Cape Fear Fear, area, and and, uh, which is about – if you're not familiar with that, then let's just say that's uh, about two hours north of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and it's about three hours south of Raleigh. On the coast. But it's on the coast, yes. And, I mean, I lived about 25 miles inland.
0: Okay, and my mom's people were from there. Was it a musical household? Was there?
1: Oh, uh, my mom played piano, and my yeah. dad liked music and had records. Uh, but so somewhat, yeah. You know, it was not. You know, they didn't have parties and people came over and sang, and we all jammed on the front porch or any of that kind of thing. It yep. was not so much that, but uh, but yeah, I heard music my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's
0: a rich area. That's for sure. What's it? As far as like music history goes, well, more
1: so in the mountains.
0: I guess so, but still, it's not far.
1: Yeah, but you know, it's really weird. the 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 mountain culture, you know, Asheville back then, uh, these days maybe a little quicker. It was like a six hour drive to get there. Oh, from the coast, you know, it's like it's like two different states. You've got where I'm from. There's more of a, it's more of a coastal fishing, surfing. Mm -hmm. Yo, man, what's up, (laughs) dude? (laughs) You know that kind of thing. was there a music scene there? Not so much. A Little bit, you know, but then, you know, the the Asheville side, of things, that's all Appalachian, which is folk music. Yep. You know what I mean? The, all, the 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 music came there and it stayed, you know, that that thing kind of stayed there. So, we didn't have that um down down on our end. So, not really. No. Okay. It, it was it was a little you had to kind of go on a quest to find people so know. what
0: was your trajectory as far as like getting into playing guitar was that your first instrument or did you play yeah
1: yeah it was man I you know I'm probably like you and a lot of people uh you I, as far back as I can remember I was fascinated with it uh-huh. I mean you know when you can't even well maybe it's I'm sure it was after I'd begun to talk but but <laughs> there was something about it and I remember my parents getting me cheap plastic guitars and this and that and they had bought me a a guitar. We moved back. My dad was in the army and we moved back Oh yeah. Is down there a base there in Wilmington? What's that?
0: Is there a base in Wilmington? There,
1: no. My mom's people my dad got an a, a discharge because he got sick. Oh, okay. And uh he wanted to for her my mom to be near her family in case anything okay. happened to him. And uh and so we moved back near my grandmother and there is a Marine base at Camp Lejeune, which is in Jacksonville, okay. um, but the, not the Army base. Uh, the nearest Army base is in Fayetteville, which is Fort Bragg, which is where my dad ultimately he passed away in the hospital there. But uh, they had bought me this guitar, I think maybe before we moved back. I can't remember. And I had a friend that took guitar lessons, yeah, and could play a little bit. And they, I just I vividly remember this, whether or not it's true uh, (laughs) you know or just in my revisionist memory that they are that they came back from doing something one day and they said and and i i just have a visual of me standing on the steps and them pulling into the carport and saying we signed you up to take some guitar lessons where your friend andy takes guitar lessons at at a music shop or something yeah and it was called the music shop Ah. Mm -hmm. and it was that was in wilmington See, so that's a 25 mile drive okay to get there. The town I lived in, Burgod, there was not, right. n- 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 nothing like that there. So, uh, so that's how that started. Uh-huh. Yeah, And then I did that for two or three years. I can't really remember now. And, what kind uh, of guitar did you
0: have at that point?
1: Uh, well, this, I think the first thing that I had maybe was like branded as a Deca guitar, really? which probably was bought at a PX, somewhere which, for people that don't know, is the, is the, the department store that they have on army bases. Oh, okay. You know, where things are disc you know, the, you get a disc military discount. I used to buy records there when I, after right. I got a little older. Um, that didn't last long, and it in fact, it lasted one lesson. And the guy <laughs> that was teaching was like, he's not going to be able to learn on this. It had just like horrific action, probably. Yeah. yeah, and so I ended up with this con, C-O-N-N, the people that made the strobe tuner, Oh, yeah. Or at least they, they were the distributor or whatever, uh, a gut string. A
0: class, which I still have, and so that was what I began to learn on. So the lessons were your main source of information as far as learning goes.
1: O- only source of information for the first couple of years. I can't really remember the time. Frame. I do remember this at my first lesson or maybe second lesson. I remember B- the first chord the guy taught me was the E chord, That's a good one to start with. Yeah, you know, because you can just remove the first finger, and he was like, "There's Got a whole e other and chord," e <laughs> and I remember. <laughs> Riding in the car afterwards and hearing Rocky Mountain Way by Joe Walsh on the radio. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking, that sounds like that chord that uh-huh. guy showed me. But of course I was like, But that can't be right. Uh-huh. You know, there's there's the distance between what I just learned and what I'm hearing on the radio is so far there's no way that's connected. Right. But right. you know. And the funny thing is, is I don't have a relative pitch or a or, or, or particularly great ear, but there was something i don't know man something in the spirit world like m- my antenna was up and and i Love heard it. that thing and i yeah you know it spoke to me in a way that like these things are related so what
0: was your source of uh music like w- w- just radio pretty much radio was, yeah yeah, yeah yeah and my, were you buying records and stuff too oh uh, yeah a little bit at that point i hadn't really gotten into that uh were you developing a
1: taste for music yeah and it was all informed by what i was hearing on the radio you know which was what what uh, well back then which was awesome because
0: full-on fm
1: specifically remember am am okay station that we had in town and i specifically remember because i don't think that we owned an fm radio oh until like the mid-70s maybe something Uh, or no i shouldn't say that I remember getting, when I was in sixth grade, a Panasonic stereo, which I still have at my house, too. It really? has two <laughs> dials on it that are round, oh, that shit. glow green, and the speakers are round. Cool. Right, like They look like the uh, R2-D2 or something. They're like globes, the
0: speakers? They're, no, they're
1: not completely round. You know what they look like is they look like, um you know, the, the those apartments, the parking deck in Chicago, that round yeah. building. They look like kind of like uh, okay. that. Yeah. You know? But uh, so I can, you know. You would hear, I've said this you know, a lot, I'm be totally repeating myself, but it is true. You'd hear Al Green, yeah. and then you'd hear Neil Young, then you'd hear Yes, then you'd hear Sly and the Family Stone, then you'd hear Alice Cooper, then you'd hear Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose, and then you would hear uh, America, and then you would hear, uh, let's see, what would be some harder edge thing at the time, uh, uh like Zeppelin or Sabbath? Uh, yeah, maybe kind of maybe stuff. Zeppelin, not Sabbath, but maybe a, a Zeppelin, but but all those other things that I mentioned, they all had hit songs. It was right. all top forty. Roundabout was a top forty yeah. hit song. Yeah. You know, it was on a p- single. So,
0: so was all that stuff speaking to you, or would you yeah. say you were like, were you tweaking out more over like the Al Green over the no, America? No, I, lo- I liked everything? all of it, and I yeah. still do. Yeah, that's cool. You know,
1: now a little later on when you you know you become a teenager and you like start to get opinionated yeah. about things you know there were there was a there's a lot of music from that period for me that i just step, you know i'm like if i never hear this again i really don't care okay you know but at the time all i liked all of it and quite frankly when you go down that list it's all pretty good yeah <laughs> it's all pretty great yeah i don't know uh here in nashville this is as a little aside there's a uh, there's a radio station here that every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, you're familiar with the Casey Kasem with the American Top 40, yeah, you know? Sure. They play one, they play a, an episode from the 70s every okay. Sunday morning here now. Have been doing it for years. This past week was 1972, and it's corresponding. It's like August 9th, 13th or yeah. whatever, 1970, so 50 years ago. And I think the first four songs that he played. This is just a random week, you know. It was Saturday in the Park by Chicago and yeah. Take It Easy by the Eagles. Yeah. And I want to say like a Gladys Knight thing, but Midnight Train to Georgia was a little late. It was the now. top
0: 10 of that week.
1: But th- this was the bottom. This was 40, 39, okay. 38, 30, you know, yeah. just the entry level songs. And, and, and these bands are all new and right. nobody had heard of, yeah. you know. And so it's really interesting to To go back, so I, it was my taste was being informed by all of that, and every now and then something would leap out, and I would be like, "I really like that." I'm going to save my money and go get that album. And so, were you learning specific songs or guitar? Uh, it got to a point where I was able to begin to do that. Okay, you know, um, do you remember some of the first ones you would
0: have learned? Uh, play? Man,
1: I, I can tell you the first guitar solo that I was ever taught because I've been taught the pentatonic scale and major minor pentatonic scale. Yeah. Um, some I'll digress. Some of the songs would have been some songs that i really didn't know like i remember for some reason and i can understand now why they that i learned this was the song traces by dennis yost in the classics For i don't know if you I ever know heard that. that it's really good yeah but there's a bunch of major seven and dominant seventh chords in it. so the guy was trying to be like here's a song i will you know and i'm like i'm trying never, to show you some shit yeah well yeah <laughs> let's let's apply what i've been showing you yeah you know that so it's not just mundane but i'd never heard the song Oh, you, okay. know, you yeah, know what i yeah. mean uh uh for oh i can tell you very first one i can't believe it uh, spaced on it. very first one still love it summer breeze by seals and cross right like first song i ever learned how to play right. on on, <laughs> on your nylon string on uh, on the nylon string uh-huh. and you know what it holds up it's great yeah. i don't know you, you, louis shelton produced yeah. it and played electric guitar on all that stuff and it's it's a great song and a great recording and totally. so that is a, uh, always
0: brings me joy. Always. It's pretty exciting when you first learn how to play always, like dude, a complete it's
1: incredible, song. incredible. Yeah. You know, incredible because I, that was one of the big things was like, how long is it going to be before I can play a song? You know? And the guy was like, well, it might be three months, might be 12 weeks. You mm-hmm. know, we'll get up these chords together. And I, and you know, when you're, 10, you're impatient. You want to go. Yet, When you're yeah. 10, that's a, whole summer so were
0: you thinking at, at that point that you would want to get into electric guitar yeah oh absolutely yeah and you were bugging your parents probably
1: yeah and- maybe a little bit <laughs> and i ended up but but uh, just to finish that thought the first solo that i learned quote unquote learned i would wish i had a recording of my attempt at it, <laughs> but was well i was shown uh was the china grove oh uh, the, the yeah. Which has that good Chom Johnston, sure. very simple but very effective thing. Um, could you rock that sucker from top to bottom? I, I can't remember. I could rock <laughs> the first four bars of it or so. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of if he veers. He does veer off into the minor scale. There's a couple of things with the you know with the six and a flat seven. I can't remember that solo. I'm sure it's I'm um, sure it's great. I might have you know uh, uh, run aground at yeah. that point. Yeah, and I did get an electric guitar from my guitar teacher. Oh yeah. you know, who's a, who was a guy named? I, if I'm remembering this correctly, his name is Horace Pearsall. I'd been through two or three people because S- same guy, same place. This is in same Wilmington, place, yeah. but you know, one guy moved to California. What I had two uh, young women that taught me that were both in high school at the time, and I think they graduated and they were like, "I'm out." You know, <laughs> this guy Horace I remember was really, really accomplished, uh-huh. um, and he had a Crown Les Paul copy, a black one, probably a bolt-on neck. I haven't seen the guitar. in so many years i you yeah. know i sold it a long time ago and a marlboro amp marlboro yes okay. which was a solid state of I, god knows who made it so, same people that made i'm sure you know a lot of other stuff and my folks got that for me um i guess while i was still taking lessons at some okay. point and then and did you
0: have any buddies around yeah i had one that... my
1: one friend okay. andy and then after that there was a guy in the next county ernie johnson who uh was a big mentor to me and mm-hmm. uh I just spoke with him last week. And he had a Les Paul in a real one. You okay. know, and that's a whole nother story, but he kinda of took me under his wing and, and uh and showed me a lot of stuff. This is a little bit after I'm skipping some in there, yeah. but I uh I don't I can't really remember how we even met. probably through like some church thing or something. That culture was really, really big. Were you playing in music family. in
0: church at all?
1: No, my mom played piano in church. Oh, she did. Uh, okay. Then when we moved, yeah, then we switched churches, and she did not again at that point. But, uh, but yeah, there was a singing group maybe of some people that I was in junior high school with, or and maybe they needed somebody to back them because remember these were this was in the sort of. God spelled Jesus Christ superstar in the wake of that. <laughs>
0: okay, you, you know what I mean, like uh-huh. five
1: years after that, but it was still lingering yeah, around. You know, so sure. it was like a theatrical contemporary Christian music right. or whatever yeah. you would call that at the uh, at the time. So uh, I think I met Ernie through that, and he was really a special guy in a lot of ways because my dad was. It, Sick. He wasn't completely infirm, but he was kind of unable to do anything with with me. as okay. As uh, uh, at, at
0: some point, you know, Ernie uh, was older than you, or around the same age. Yeah,
1: he was about six years older than me. Okay. So you know, for a twenty-one-year-old guy to spend his time with a fifteen-year-old is set. when I was twenty-one. The last thing I wanted to do was to spend time with a fifteen-year-old kid. You know, and like I said, I could go on and on about that, but the impact was was uh, is still being felt mm-hmm. on me. You know, um, and. So he helped, he showed me, he was the guy that showed me, you know, the seven sharp nine, you know. To was him. he a pretty happening player? He scored, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, Steve, yet again, I've, I've said this before, but, but, but it is contextually important. You know, the town I lived in, we got a stoplight when I was 15. <laughs> that's, that's where we were at, you know what yep. I mean? And, and, uh, we had no CBS, we had ABC and NBC. Uh, you because you you grew up in Canada, yeah, right? I so did. I But you can you understand what I'm talking about by I, saying I, that, yeah, you know? Uh, yeah, uh, for sure. There was two other people in my county that played guitar, I think, and and Ernie was in the next county. So it was very impactful in, in, in a lot of ways. But before that, I had begun somehow to figure some things out by ear, I think, you know. And I think that it was the same old story. At some point, the guy came to my parents and was like, "I can't can't." I've shown him all the stuff I know to show him. He's figuring it out on his own
0: now. Were you, like, yeah. dropping needle the needle Absolutely. and, like, figuring out licks? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. so you were yeah. at that stage.
1: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, lots and lots and lots of that, you know,
0: for years and years yeah. after that. You know. Did he learn from books at all or no. tapes or anything? It was all just straight off ear Yeah, off and, you know,
1: yeah. uh, when people say that they're self-taught, I would say, obviously, I'm not self-taught because I, I, I did have – some lessons but after that m- my definition of that is i, th- I call myself a self-student because I-, I was teaching a lot of things to myself but i was also learning from other people so i can't say that i taught me the things that they taught me that you, I taught myself were you
0: me. having any chances to see bands that were good coming like cover bands or, or bigger bands or not anything? at that point now, that, that happened happen. later
1: okay uh which is was sort of the the uh which was my portal into the music business, really. Before that, the, you know, I, I I just remember that in my in my lessons, and maybe I, it was just because I didn't want to absorb the information, but I wasn't taught like a theory, chord theory, or or, or scale theory. It was there was a, a lot of here's a major seven chord, here's dominant seven chord. I don't remember being taught why that why they were called that and what the relationship the intervals were. Yeah, you know, so. I had to figure all that out later. I shouldn't say had to figure all that. I'm still figuring, out, <laughs> without, but I had yeah. to you know to to kind of get that into shape a little, little later down the road and so yeah, needles back needle back so 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 books and things like that were you know I would get the guitar player magazine and the columns that the guys would write, you know back then it was before tablature, and I didn't read, and they would write the columns and talk about diminished chords like in
0: guitar player magazine uh, and stuff yeah uh, you would see stuff like that yeah
1: and i and and it was so foreign and so intimidating i was just like well this (laughs) i i i i have no idea what any of this you know
0: yeah i'll never be able to figure any of this out that's where my head was okay
1: i learned all kind of off of records and then other people showing me stuff
0: was it just sort of across the board those kind of artists that you were mentioning or were there some like really hardcore heroes for you that well
1: yeah i i got into the same thing that most guys around my age did that were into like rock Mm -hmm. you know um there was the, the the zeppelin records a couple here and they're not and you know here's another thing i didn't have a lot of records because i didn't have enough money to go mm-hmm. to buy you know to buy them, it was a value they were valuable commodity sure. at, at the time a lot of 45s and things but you know it was the usual suspects it was led zeppelin okay. and uh clapton hendrix um yeah i heard hendrix and when i first heard it the first record i had of his was called smash hits and i thought man this sounds like the old people music you know <laughs> Because it had "Can you see me, dude?" you know, and all this stuff, and and the way it was recorded, it yeah. sounded like '60s music, you know. Um That rapidly changed. I got it, Hendrix record called "In the West," which is not probably not available it's in now. West, I but have it's that. A, is that a live record? It's a live record that they claimed was recorded like at San Diego Sports Arena and stuff, but a bunch of it is from Royal Albert Hall, and they couldn't. Somebody else owned the rights to the tapes, oh. and they had to like do some kind of
0: creative. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I remember that I had that. But it had too. the
1: version that's in the in the Berkeley movie of him playing Johnny B. Good. Uh-huh. And uh the his version of Blue Suede Shoes. Yeah. And some things so I could kind of figure that out. You know, I was like, oh, there's that thing that looks like that the red house chord, that dominant triad, you know. I didn't know it was a dominant triad at the time. But, uh-huh. but uh so I got into that and then a friend of mine, uh this guy I knew started talking about uh some other records, um, Axis Bold as love, which he first mentioned it, I thought he said acts as bold as love and i was like wow that's an interesting title but so i was like 17 years old before i ever heard that but i heard and i started i was like oh i'm starting to get this when i heard a wait until tomorrow i don't know if you know that song of course yeah. you know when i heard that i was like
0: i really like this yeah you know so so it that's was interesting really, so smash hits was your intro to hendrix intro, yeah and it kind of didn't resonate it kind of
1: didn't resonate you know uh-huh. because uh that's a lot for a thirteen, fourteen year old kid, you know, yeah. uh that that has already heard maybe even Aerosmith at that right. time. Yeah, you know? yeah, I get it. Uh so so um usual suspects I was really into ZZ Top.
0: But were like were you figuring out some of the Billy Gibbons? Trying. Yeah.
1: You know, doing my best. Um uh, yeah. Skinner, really into that okay. yeah. big time. Um uh which was really good for me because you know, one guy played a Firebird, one guy played Les Paul, one guy played the Strat. Well, that's yeah. what a Strat sounds like, because they listed on the record who oh, played okay. what. Right. Phils, Gary. Did he have a favorite you know? of the three guys? No, not no, necessarily. Just like uh, at all. Uh, there's qualities about all of them, you know. Mm-hmm. That, that that What's that saying about the whole being greater than some of the parts? I always yeah. get that mixed up. But, uh, <laughs> I know uh, what you mean. So that was huge for yeah. me. Um, I'm going to leave a bunch of stuff out I know if I don't.
0: What about, like, what's your relationship with blues like? Like, obviously, you've, you've must have soaked some of that in at some point, but was that like a big thing ever? Did you listen to stuff and just be like, man, I got to figure out where this came from? And that led to Muddy and then going back from there, leading to like, only later. And Hopkins and that was later. Only
1: later. I I did not hear any, I would read about this stuff. And, uh, you know, yet again, I was like, well, I never really heard it. I was just not that interested in it because I mm-hmm. never heard it, and nobody I knew played blues. Nobody I knew had the records. So it took me, you know, being in my mid-20s before people started saying, hey, check this out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I met some people that were into it, you know, so then I had access to it. Because, you know, back then, like I said, records, I was not going to go buy a Muddy Waters album or a Buddy Guy album because... Mm-hmm. I wanted to get the Marshall Tucker record because I heard the song. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, and uh, it was relatable to me, uh-huh. you know. That came later. Yeah, but then I did do that. Absolutely. Okay. And
0: still do it. And what were your favorite? Like, which what? Which of those artists, like, really bonked you over the head?
1: Man, I you know, it's you a cliche. Reed,
0: you quoted Jimmy Reed on the way into the bathroom. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: it's a cliche, but, you know, just purely for the playing, well, and the singing ensemble play, all of it, that Live at the Regal record the is great. Is, uh-huh. Is is something else. It is something you else. You know. Yeah. Um, I love Freddie King's rock and roll mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Yep. I just love the attitude and intention. Uh um,
0: did you ever get into the acoustic stuff, Sunhouse? Yeah, Glenn to Lemon a Jefferson, degree, and, and I'm stuff. a really
1: bad, like, I can play really bad John Hurt guitar, yeah. you
0: know. But you did kind of study some of that yeah, stuff at yeah, some point. You yeah, you know,
1: uh, which our buddy Alvin is a master. Of. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's overstating that. Do you, nope. you just say that he's a master? Of? No, I did Maybe I, as good as anybody alive. I would agree. At, at at that. Yeah. At that style. Um. So, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and I'm still learning, you uh, know, like I never did a deep dive with Gary Davis, you know,
0: yeah. and it has been like blows my mind. It is mind boggling. It's mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. Cause like that music informed the music that you were informed in by such so a, much. In like, such so a hard deeply. way.
1: So when I started going back, I was like, oh yeah, right, right, right. You know, this, yeah. this, this, and that, um, the, uh, yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? Because you'll go back and hear that and I'll be like, Oh, I already know how to do that. <laughs> I didn't know that's where that came from. Right, yeah. You know. And there's a lot of blues that I like. It's such a big umbrella, people talk about it, you know. But there's a lot that I like just from the fun you know, I love that Hoodoo Man blues record, that uh-huh. Buddy Guy Jr. was record, just because it's so raw and yeah. funky, man. Yeah. It and is. just so like Saturday night dirt under your fingernail. You know, you know what I'm saying. I know exactly and, what you're saying. And then the, you know the the second generation dudes, I you know, I'm a I really, really love Peter Green's guitar playing. And I I can hear that in your plan. And I would say that he is I would call him a blues guitar player. I mean, even though a little yep. bit later on, you know, they got into that Green Man Alicia and all the, the more rock and roll psychedelic stuff, the the stuff that really knocks me out is is He was pretty straight up Chicago blues, man. And, man, there's a connection to the spirit world in his play yeah. and
0: in I, and his singing, I, I think. Did you ever get a chance to see him? No. Yeah.
1: You know, I don't know if that answers the question yeah, at all. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah. what was your path to getting into bands that, like, you've talked about playing and taking lessons and your friend that taught you a bunch of stuff. So at what point did you meet the right people to, like, the first band I'm aware of is Cry of Love, which was probably a few years later. Quite, yeah, yeah, quite that was later. later well, but. I
1: went to college,
0: right? Okay. Right. Um in, 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 at the University of North Carolina in Wilmington. I went, so so did you, do you mean you got through high school without ever playing in a band?
1: We kind of had a little band. No, we played a couple times in, in, in around town, but it was like no bass player. It was me and uh, and these two girls, uh, uh, Katie Moore and Jackie Bostick were their names. And it seems like they would switch between drums and guitar but it was always two guitars and drums and yeah yeah and we played at the little dance and played uh steve miller and i remember trying to play victim of love by the eagles and uh (laughs) and uh boogie you know when it's funny when you when you do talk about the blues the chuck berry thing you heard that all the time in the 70s in different music you know like uh and so a lot of that stuff that you hear on those blues records that yet again you know i kind of learned it somewhere else you know it's it was an interesting time because there was a lot of songs on the radio too that were like the 60s were, were 10 12 years before and so you know the first time i ever heard like motown songs it was cover versions of it, it was like linda rostadt doing heat wave it i had no happened. idea you right. know yeah. uh, uh, or uh the first time i heard like some beatles songs it was a, there was a cover that would become a hit again so uh, that kind of goes hand in hand with the run, dun, 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 you know Sir? uh but the the building blocks of like rock guitar of the, the language i feel very fortunate that 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 was all swirling at that time you yep. know so yeah fog hat fool for the city you know mm-hmm. we i i mean i lord knows what any of this sounded like i don't have to were you still of any of it.
0: were you still playing that guitar through that solid state amp yeah at that point. yeah, okay, and yeah. then at
1: one point at some
0: point uh, my folks got me a Les Paul a
1: real Ooh. one uh, which was a 77 custom it was a, one of the three piece top like uh, um, natural finish ones okay
0: what year like was that a new guitar yeah at that point? it was a new guitar it was bought Sweet. from a place called
1: Sticks and Picks in Wilmington North Carolina it was a guy named Eddie Boland that ran the store who I later ended up wow. be- befriending and playing a little bit with but um, do you still have that guitar still got stolen. Oh, shit. But I wanted a PV mace because that's what the Skinner used. And uh, that's what the guys in Skinner what's a, used. What's a mace? Mace. It is a 200-watt. <laughs> I think it's like six 6L6s or something oh, like shit. that. And my buddy Ernie yeah. was like, because they would advertise that in these magazines. Yeah. You know, they're PV-powered. And or whatever. And my buddy Ernie was like, I you might not want to do that. You know, let's look at these Marshalls. <laughs> And so yeah. I ended up getting a '77 JMP with the with the controls in the top, yeah, the combo, yeah, I which I that. do still have. Okay, you do. Eh? I lost. Wow. I, it went away for a long time. I sold it to a friend of mine named Mark Bromeyer, and he under the conditions in the 80s of man if you ever get rid of this give me first dibs and he sure did like 25 Make years later it. he was like it's been recovered and there's no speakers in it right now or anything uh, but the box is there and the amp head is in there nice. and everything so yeah so i still got that so i can't remember if the solid state amp was still on the scene i will tell you this the vocal mic was plugged into a stereo a home stereo because it had okay. an input i Maybe so you could sing along like Mr. Microphone. I don't know. Yeah, there's a
0: reason that there was a mic input in some of those stereos. Yeah,
1: I don't know. But it was a high impedance, you know, it was not... so we did have all that. So yeah, man. I'm you know I'm sure I'm leaving some things out. I'm trying to to, to <laughs> uh, figure this all out chronologically the best way that I can. Taking care of
0: business, you know, just all these some good Canadian rock. Yeah, exactly, man. That's <laughs> like, that uh, I was I was here's a here's a segue, but I was involved in. So he Randy Bachman lived mm-hmm. in Vancouver's. He doesn't anymore, but he, he, he was there all through his career. And at some point in the early '90s, he like gathered all the guitar player, the, all the guitar players he could from Vancouver, and played taking care of business for I think it was 19 hours. Was of, there, I think I've I mean, heard Book of World something about that. Yeah. Did
1: you participate in that? <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: That's awesome,
1: dude. <laughs> so you are by proxy in the Guinness Book of World I am, Records. Right, there's a picture oh, not, of
0: me in there. Not, not even by proxy. I'm smaller like, than a pinhead, but I'm in there. There is really. There's a picture of the people playing it. That yeah, is so it's at the rad. Vancouver Art Gallery in like probably '93 or that something. That is so cool, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I just so like y- the fact that he set the goal and he achieved it. Oh yeah, you he's a, he's an achiever, that guy. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, right. So so that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we would play at the little high school dance situation, or not not even high. We weren't good enough to play at the high school dance. We uh, the local little quote unquote country club dance or or. or whatever um they may be at the street fair or yeah. something but i did there were a couple of bands that came and played at my high school at these high school dances and i was always just so in awe i was so enamored really? of the fact that you know i was like i can't believe these guys get to do this yeah know?
0: and so hitting college did you is that the point when you got i met together? some other folks i moved moved out of
1: the house
0: and what I were met, you taking it at college i have a history degree
1: oh cool uh, i have a a, a, a bachelor's of history. Uh, I was taking the path of least resistance because it's the only subject that I was that I was remotely interested in. Yeah, they got, or good at. You yeah. Know? Although the people in the music department tried my after my ju- after my junior year, they tried to get me to switch majors and become a music major. And I was like, I I got one
0: year to go. If I do that, I'm gonna have to be here for two more years. I'm not doing it. No, you want to get out of there? Gonna so you were sort of like on the path to become a history teacher or
1: something? Oh uh, no, I was kind of on the I was kind of on the meandering. Aimless <laughs> path. Uh, outside of the fact that I was just obsessed with this rock and roll music, you right? know. So okay. I met these dudes. We had a band.
0: We playing all the time. Like
1: I was playing guitar all the time, and yeah. we practiced. We we did the classic thing of practicing all the time and very rarely ever gigging. You know, and people would that's come, important. And people Man. would come and
0: go. You know. Yeah.
1: But a couple of these older guys took me under their wing and, and it gave me a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, wow, they're 24, 25.
0: Were they some decent musicians? Yeah, like, yeah, they decent were. Decent drummer? And- yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, you know, like I s- said earlier, I mean, these kinds of things were in really short supply, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, so my um, ability to sort of discern, I could tell like not good from, from somebody who was... Uh, who was adequate you mm-hmm. know i could tell that but i'm not sure i could tell the difference between like can function on the instrument and really good okay. if that makes any sense because i hadn't had any yeah, exposure that's to, you know? interesting yeah like you uh, hadn't
0: seen anyone yeah no good I, enough to like have those parameters in your mind yeah yet. you know okay uh, that's everybody
1: cool. i mean when you're when you're 15 and trying to learn how to play everybody is awesome right
0: you know, I, uh, I know that feeling, too. Exactly.
1: You know, I still feel that way.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> hey, we're in that. Right?
1: I'm still a fan. You know, <laughs> yeah. I really, really am. Me too. Uh,
0: what about seeing people what, like once you got to Wilmington, there must have been bands coming through yeah, there. So
1: that's the key
0: okay. right there
1: is that there was a club there called the Mad Monk, which was uh, which got built while I was in college. And a guy named Charlie Maltzby, who just passed away a couple of years ago, ran that place. And he was really good to all of the local guys mm-hmm. and the local bands. And what happened was there was a circuit, I don't know where you, when you grew up, if this existed or not, but back in the 80s, there was a circuit of places for cover bands to play. And so this was a college situation. And so every Friday and Saturday night, these bands came through, and then, you know, two months later, you could see them again. And so this is just uh, touring cover bands. Touring cover bands every once that in really a while. That really doesn't exist anymore. No, does not exist at all. There would be like a national act every once in a while, and it would be you know, uh, Cheap Trick or whoever. Oh wow, okay. You know, like n- cool, not them. Like cool stuff. Not them in Wilmington so much, but the Romantics. Okay. You know, uh,
0: like second or third tier.
1: Uh, yeah, or, or <laughs> new. You know, uh, maybe they have one video on MTV type groups. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This, National acts, um, and 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 so there was that sprinkled in with the with the, with these other groups, and I would go see these bands, and I would just be like, man, these guys get to go and play every night. Your mind's just and kind of, they get <laughs> and they get to travel and see things and meet girls and get paid and
0: sign me up. This is this looks pretty awesome. And so but, but was it like just a complete stretch trying to figure out like how the hell do you actually do that?
1: I just took it a step at the time. You man, go. you know, I mean I think that I had this pipe dream like I can I would love to do that. I have no idea how to go about doing it, but but one thing leads to another, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and and the first step,
0: you play with some friends. And- play
1: with some friends. We had our band in town. Yeah. We played around. They knew some of these people. There mm-hmm. was a couple of these bands that were on this circuit that were based in my. You get to meet those people. It's um, so some of the bands that came through every two months. When they come through the next two months later, maybe you introduce yourself. You meet the guy. You go. Yeah. You know. You hang out. They're in town for two days. You go. I'll take you to the beach tomorrow if you want to go, you know, eager young yeah. guys, you know. Yeah. And and uh, we op- would end up opening up for a couple of these things here and there. It kind of just unfolded, I guess, is mm-hmm. the way to put it. I, I, and did you get
0: into that scene where you were traveling? And so what covers? ended
1: up happening was I got out of college, graduated in, 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 in the spring. And then in that fall, in the fall of that year, I, I got a call from a guy that I knew that ran one band who was really had his finger on the pulse of what was happening all around. And he uh, uh, said, Hey, these guys in Atlanta are going to call you because they're looking for a guitar player. And I recommend you to be a guitar player. And that's, and so I can almost think of the, the club the mad monk is like a portal and you were probably getting pretty good at that yeah, point. man i was i was trying i was working yeah. on it you know but that, and that was an issue for me too you know it was like will i be ever be good enough to do this you know which, which how are you
0: with like learning repertoire like if you had to do a cover band that was playing like the top 40 or hits of the day or whatever it's a lot of material to learn yeah like, i think you, back then. Was that, like that's for, for me i've always felt like Kind of good and also kind of bad at the same time that I never really played in cover bands, so like i I would learn you know I've learned parts of songs or maybe complete songs in my life, but i've never had to learn other people's songs and
1: and, and, you know,
0: it is what it is. And, you know, uh, the thing about
1: that I enjoy doing about when I do it now yeah. is that you get to pick the songs right. and play only things that you really enjoy. Personally,
0: I really love that. So, were you doing you know, like three sets a night? Three Was sets a night, sometimes four sets a night. You know, two. That's how you get good, eh?
1: I guess that's you know you at least your 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 muscles and your chops yeah and, you know and back then you know I could retain all that much I don't know if I could remember when you're talking about that much stuff and note for note guitar solos and all you know and I would have to fudge things where there were like super shred guitar right. solo you know <laughs> I can't my right hand I can't I can't play that fast I can't do it so there'd be a lot of uh, workarounds by pull, hammer on and pull off stuff uh-huh. instead of you know and. Uh, but yeah, I would say that overall, you know, it was a yeah. You're 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 playing. It's it's so second nature as far as like you're you're spending so many hours on the instrument that 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 you don't ever pick uh-huh. the guitar up and think, man, I gotta warm up.
0: Yeah, you know
1: that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um,
0: Do you remember a thing or two that you would have picked up at that point that was really integral to your mindset about how to play in a band, like? how to function as a guitar player in the band and like wait, what your role was?
1: Um, well, it, you, it was defined before you by the material that you're mm-hmm. playing when you're playing cover songs, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. You didn't have to think about it. The, the parameter, what you had to do was already there, you know? And yeah. so the idea of, of what your role, how, how your role is going to maximize the song was not an issue
0: because right. it's already given to you. Um, that all came later. Okay. What yeah. about writing? Had you started writing songs at that point?
1: Not to any great degree.
0: There was not. no, like, that was a completely cover band situation. Right. There was just no why, originals. Which well, is eventually
1: mm-hmm. why I quit doing it because I was like, this is not. You don't um, want to be doing this when you're 40. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and, <laughs> and, yeah. And even beyond that, I, it wasn't even the, I don't want to do this at 40. It was like, at between now and 40, I, I do want to try to do some other thing, if that makes sense. Did you sense. see
0: a path to doing that? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you can tell me about a, a bit about how Cry of Love formed. But but did you see a path to playing well, original I, music?
1: I, yeah, I think I did. Okay. And I thought the thing to do would be like, you know what? This is, I'm literally making basically no money doing this.
0: You know the business model. But the cover band money must have been half decent. Wasn't but not it? not. It was for shitty? the
1: players. The business model was not based on financial success put it that way yeah. you know there was a lot of other factors that, okay. that 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 went into the we've got to have the most PA and we've got to have the most okay. Because I know that
0: scene in Canada was actually like pretty good. You
1: could, you, you know, know what? Like, and I look back now and go, oh, this could have been very, and probably was for certain people, quite lucrative. But, you know, you had to drag around your own PA system, your own light system, which means you got <laughs> to rent a truck, you know yeah, what I mean? I, sure. And driving all over the place, you know. There, there would there would have been a way. So looking back on that now, it's even more ridiculous because <laughs> it's like we weren't even, I wouldn't even get paid. There was at one point uh, an allotment in the first cover band that I was in where we just took 10, 10 bucks a day. Holy shit! And that's what we did. Okay. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Uh, that's not going to. Uh, and you know. Make you rich? No. Exactly. <laughs> uh, after a couple of years of that. Yeah, that'll wear on you pretty quick. Yeah, and you know the old saying of "This is really it, and what I thought it was going to be, or it's not cr- cracked up to be." I thought, you know what? I want to go get a job. I'm tired of driving all uh, all over the place. I got a history degree. So week, you know, yeah, that (laughs) that didn't even really factor into it, Uh, because I was still very single-minded. You know, like I'm gonna. It's kind of like that sort of naivety.
0: But music was you you wanted to make yeah yeah. I mean, I I never.
1: It wasn't even conscious thing, Steve. It was just Mm -hmm. like I just had to do it. You Mm -hmm. know, and I guess if I would have gotten to a place. Where I, where it was like this is not going to pan out. I would have figured out something else to do and just played on the weekends, done right. whatever you know. Yeah. Which is there's no shame in that. You know, it's all about playing music. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to I'm going to quit doing this. I'd already I was playing at that point. I'd gone from one band to another band, and the other band that I was playing was like the biggest band on the in, in, on in the a circuit. certain part of that circuit, yeah. you know. And I I was just over it for a number of reasons, and 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 uh. So that's what I did and our, our bass player Robert Kearns, who was in the in the band with me I was Oh, he like, was in the cover band with you. Yeah, I was okay. like, "Hey man, you know, how do you feel about this kind of thing and uh you know, trying that, you know, maybe we could go get a job and get a band practice space and and we found our drummer who I already knew, Jason Patterson from another group that had been doing the same thing and uh and we all agreed. Okay, let's do that. We'll get an apartment, as you do. Okay. Move in together. You know, not the greatest idea in the world, but <laughs> uh, but we got some good stories out of it that I we bet. laugh about today. Uh, and we'll go to work, and we'll go to band practice at night, and we'll figure this out and trigger. What for, do you mean
0: by to work? Like working at a?
1: I worked at a guitar a, store. Okay. Robert was a bellhop.
0: Okay. So you had, and, just had yeah jobs.
1: You know, yeah. And then we'll go down to this band practice place and we'll try to figure this out you know we'll try to figure out how to write some songs
0: and that was cry of love do this and that's how that came together yeah so how long was it before you guys were out gigging as an original band uh it took a little over a year that's substantial yeah yeah Uh, and how was the process of like figuring out how to write songs and stuff were you guys all doing it collaboratively a
1: little bit you know at first it kind of became more me
0: later on This show is brought to you by the good folks at iZotope, who make incredible plug-in software for any music or dialogue recording situation. Among other things, they make a very unique suite of software called RX, which you can use to surgically repair almost any kind of issue in a recording, whether it's removing electrical hum, unwanted noise, vocal plosives, or almost anything you can throw at it. I use Isotope RX on every mix in one way or another, and I love that I can get in there on guitar tracks that I'm doing and running through my crazy old tube amps and get rid of the hum and noise without affecting the actual tone of the guitar. You can buy their plugins outright or get a subscription to keep up to date on all their latest versions. Right now they're offering listeners a 10% discount on any of their plugins when you use the code SOULPOD10 at checkout. So head on over to isotopecom soulpod and you'll see the links right there to get the discount or an extended 30-day trial of their subscription service of Music Production Suite Pro. We're also brought to you this season by Black Mountain Picks. These are unique spring-loaded thumb picks that are super comfortable and adaptable. I've been using them for a couple years now and I absolutely love them. They come in medium gauge, heavy gauge, jazz tipped, left-handed, and with regular or extra tight spring tension. Check them out at blackmountainpicks.com. Thanks to our other sponsor, Union Tube and Transistor. They're known for guitar effects pedals with a focus on quality and simplicity. They build durable, repairable products that sound amazing both on stage and in the studio. I use their Bender fuzz pedal, the Moore pedal, and the Swindle overdrive pedal all the time in sessions and live on stage. You can find them at UnionTone.com. And thanks to Spectra 1964. For over 50 years, Spectra 1964 has established a reputation of creating some of the most innovative recording equipment on the market today. From the legendary V610, C610, and 611 complementer units to the new 500 series lunchbox mic pre's and EQs, Spectra 1964 continues the legacy of providing incredible recording products for the home or professional studio. Check them out at Spectra1964.com. And finally, the Henhouse Hang—it's a four-day immersive recording experience right here with me at the Henhouse Studio in East Nashville on September 19 to 22, 2022. Join us for a musical learning experience like no other. We'll put you up in a groovy hotel, feed you some glorious food, show you the ropes of recording roots in Americana music by bringing you in on a real session with real musicians working on real songs from the ground up. You can get all the info on that at stevedawson.ca. Just follow the links on the front page to the Hen House Hang. All right, then, let's get back to the show. Because the the interesting thing to me about that band is, like, you guys had a lot of success. That was a successful band. And that um, was your first band, our, really. our first
1: record. Yeah, you know, That's the crazy funny, man. The funny thing about it is, though, is I was thirty years old when that record came really? out. Really? Yeah. Okay. You know, so I had four years of college that put me four years behind. Yeah. You know, I, which is not a waste of time. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. You we know, had some we we, we, we were we were weathered veterans right. at that point. You know, and and uh, yeah, we just I don't know, man. We just started throwing stuff against the wall and try figuring it out as we went. You know, as far as like trying to put songs together and yeah. all that. You know. Very odd. Were time. you demoing stuff, or was there was it not? At first, yeah, yeah. and 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 uh, uh, well,
0: yeah, the, the whole time we were different methodology there, you know. Tell me how you made that first record. Like, did you was that done independently, or did you? No, sign no, no, a record no. Deal? We, we got a record deal. Okay, with, with uh, old school at,
1: for, with Columbia and, and how? Uh, how did that happen? Um, well, we used to work at this studio called Jag Studios, and the guy that ended up producing our record, John Custer was the guy that had done demos for us and we were finding our way stylistically and we uh finally kind of landed on something yeah. that that felt honest and felt uh like uh, that 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 things were sort of uh, the, uh, the 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 body of work or the or the songs all seemed to work together you uh-huh. know what i mean like i feel like sometimes when you're learning how to do that kind of thing you kind of got to find your sound sure. quote unquote and we kind of done that and we had made we were working on a demo and the demo was not finished i think we had some background vocals to put on i don't know there was it was not me i just had a rough mix of this thing and this buddy of mine pepper keenan who was in a band called corrosion of conformity who was oh, like yeah. a hardcore like a metal hardcore band they rehearsed next door to us okay cool and uh and they are they from wilmington they were this is in raleigh Oh, okay. i had moved to raleigh All at right. this point which was the big you know there there was a bit of a music scene there when i was a kid kid but wilmington at that point you know the interstate has was not finished you know it was the the music scene the raleigh thing you know you have the university nc state and 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 chapel hill There was a big thing going on over there uh and which is where unc is and, and 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 duke and all the schools around there so there were a lot of there were a lot of clubs, you know, and there there was a scene. There was something was happening there, even in the seventies. Been in Wilmington, not so much. Okay. It was all when that cover band club opened, when Mad Monk opened. That was our, that was what we had. Um, and and I, so I gave Pepper this tape. He was like, "Man, what you got? You got any new stuff? You guys been working on?" And I was like, "Yeah, but don't play this for anybody, man. It's not <laughs> it's not done, and we want to get it finished and do a remix." Well, of course, he went to a party and. Met this guy who was a brand new A and R guy named Josh Sarbin who was a, 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 at Columbia. Uh, he had not signed anybody. Yeah, so he was chomping. T- he at was twenty three years old and and uh, perfect. And Pepper played him the thing and and he called up like you know he, he told me he goes I played this thing for you this guy at Columbia freaked out I was like dude you did not do that and uh, <laughs> and so uh, we got a call from him and we were uh, lucky enough to let some friends of ours jump on a gig that following weekend at the at the brewery at this club that we played at you know and uh, and he flew down and saw us on that was on saturday and then they offered us a deal on monday and we wow. now 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 mind you
0: we what, had what year is reject-
1: this? this is like 1992 Ninety-two. Okay, we had gotten rejection letters from lots of other labels. So you had been sending stuff out. We had been out. sending stuff out. I actually talked to a couple guys on the phone who were like, "Yeah, we like this part of it, but I'm not sure about this part of it." Or, yeah. I love it, but my boss doesn't see." You know that kind. Of. So man, we worked really hard. That was my whole life. You know, uh, at at the time, I did what I had to do. I played in a little wedding band on the weekends with my friends, which is a great learning experience for me also because I got schooled on a bunch of music that I didn't really know a lot about. And and uh, But other than that, I mean, that's what I did, you know, it was work, 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 work. Let's try to make this thing work. What are we going to do? You know, no Internet.
0: That was a long way off, you know. Uh, and and getting a record deal was that was the path. Like that was the well, ultimate goal. Yeah, that was, goal the, it was back the thing, then, right?
1: you know. And yeah. you had to have. I mean, think about this: you have to have a photo and a bio, <laughs> you know. Just getting that together with four knucklehead dudes <laughs> is is like a major accomplishment, sure. you know. So there was a lot, you know. Plus, let's work on trying. To, I'm trying to figure out how to write these. All my time at home.
0: Did you have an album's worth of shit at that point? Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. Did.
1: We man, I, I would imagine before our record came out, we probably had seventy tunes or that something that you were like playing that.
0: live and sort of
1: probably had played all of them at some point. Probably, you know, yeah, uh, you know, I would say there's probably quite a few of those that got thrown out, like after the first time we played them or something. Yeah. I don't know, you know. Uh, uh, The the we had been we had one lead singer and then we got another lead singer so it was like a complete different set of tunes and and like we're trying to find our sound yeah and and you know I would that's what I thought about when I was at home and ideas and driving around in my car and listening to the instrumental cassettes and all that you know it was
0: it was pretty much all consuming were you guys touring regionally or were you we decided we we weren't going to do
1: that oh wow okay that there wasn't that we were just going to work on this, that part of
0: it. Um, Stick to your jobs. And
1: we did buy a van at one point and we would go down to, to Wilmington to play and we would go up to Winston-Salem to the odd little gigs on the weekends. But that's, weekend
0: that's as far he- as you Here would... and there, but we didn't do the thing that... That's interesting. That's a different path Different
1: path, whereas like a band like Hootie and the Blowfish, which is from Columbia, South Carolina, that's how they did their thing by just... Just endlessly. Just endlessly yeah. playing and touring, you know, different, different
0: way of approaching things, you know. Uh, so this now, guy comes down, sees you, signs you, like that really happens, eh? Like in those Yeah, places. it really did happen, and
1: you know, at that point we had been together for four years, maybe, yeah. you know, and and uh, is that right? Let's see. Wow,
0: yeah. that's a lot. That's a long time.
1: Yeah, you know, and 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 uh, and so it it wasn't magic. Right. It was, was a lot of, of hard grinding.
0: work, you
1: know, and and grinding yeah. and gr- just grinding it out without a whole lot of carrots being dangled or a lot to show for it you know we enjoyed it and we loved playing our songs and practicing our songs and working on the
0: so what happened after you got signed like they did that basically entail giving you the money to make a record yeah that's that's what it was tour support um yeah and we got tour support and we you know and then you had to get an agent
1: all that came later yeah uh you know it was like we'll give you x amount of money and we were like we want to to be left alone you know and 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 uh And they did. Amazing. uh, Because
0: this story happens with almost everyone I talk to. Except your story ends differently in that it was like super successful.
1: Well, yeah, yeah you know, I'm not super successful, <laughs> but, but 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 you had some for, hits
0: like you guys yeah, did wet had really some, well. Like, we had this, some songs. this story usually ends with, and then that band disintegrated and the label fell apart. And the well, and that then, all happened later, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, but for a while there, like you guys, yeah, did no, no, it, no, no absolutely, thing. you it's know, it's impressive. And 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 it was a lot of hard work. And so, and, what was the recording of that record? Was that like demos that became records, or did you go into the studio? No, we went
1: back and we went down to Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Oh, to the Muscle Shoals sound, the second one that was on the river. Now it's back in the original Coffin Factory. Oh, it moved for a while, but it was it moved. Yeah, it was. Why um, did
0: you pick there? Just the historical. um, uh, Yeah, yeah.
1: you know, um, we wanted to get out of town and go do it, um, which is kind of the opposite of now I'm like, if I can stay home and do anything, you know, yeah. and so we took a road trip, our producer John and and, and and Kelly, our singer, and myself, and just drove around and looked at a bunch of places here oh, cool. and there that we thought might be, you yeah. know, so uh, probably yet again, naivety and romance, yeah. you know. Uh, Did you
0: have a substantial budget to make no, the first record? We
1: made that record for what at the time was not much money, which was about 65 grand. And, you okay. know. This is when People. That seems like a shit ton of money these days. These are, days are you kidding? Yeah. We could, you know what? After we get wrapped this up, we could make seven records. Could, in fact, we could make, uh, let's see, 6,000. How many? We could make 15 records sure. for that money in here, in this room. Right? <laughs> um, but back then, you know, people were getting routinely, you know, 350000 yeah. 500000 you know. Amazing. And, uh, but we didn't need it. We could play. Yeah. We didn't need a bunch of amenities. So what was
0: your what was your schedule like? How many? How long did it take to make that? Uh, record? We we started that record.
1: Uh, it we worked for five weeks and it was mixed and mastered. All done in Muscle Shoals. In Muscle Shoals, yeah, and it was mastered here actually at, at Georgetown Masters. Okay,
0: uh, and then you turned it in, and was it like thumbs up? This is cool. Turned
1: it in, thumbs up. This is cool. We wow. Didn't, we didn't. The next record we got the we don't hear a single. We got that one on the okay. next record. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and somehow in the in the You know, as the grunge thing, which I really hate to use that word, but as that 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 thing began to, it was really
0: had fired up pretty heavy duty at that point. You know, Um, where did you where did you guys fall in the world of popular music? Well, man, it
1: was kind of an anomaly, you know, because it was our records were very dry. There was no, you know, outlandish snare drum, volume and reverb and 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 uh, and we didn't and you weren't a jam band so you weren't in that scene no right? we could but have you could hold your own in mor- there morphed into the, yeah we did a little bit of that but that was not part of the we didn't come out of that world you okay. know um i don't know we kind of you know there was there was us and there was a band called the screaming cheetah wheelies which yep. was from here yeah mike ferris's group and there was a band from birmingham called brother Kane. there was a little more hard rock than we were but uh my friend damon johnson had that band and we were the bands that all got lumped together. As far as this slight like, sort of new southern music or or whatever. Um
0: sure. Screaming Cheetah Wheelies was the same era, I guess, right? Early yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Our records were all out concurrently. Okay. You know, um we were not aware of either one of those bands until we started going out and touring and hearing about them yeah. and and whatnot. But, you know, um we didn't really sound like any any of the bands yeah. didn't really I mean, sound I've, like I've it. listened to
0: that record. I listened to it yesterday just to refresh myself and it, yeah it's hard to put your finger on but that's
1: bit. the uh that's kind of how we got lumped into okay. the thing so i don't know man you know quite frankly um we just kind of did what we wanted to do and hope for the best and know?
0: and did they Do you feel like they promote – like, did they put a bunch of money into promotion and stuff? I'm not
1: sure about that. I don't really know. We made videos,
0: though, and that's expensive? We made a couple
1: of videos. They were expensive. It was about a bit of a waste of money, really, (laughs) honestly, because uh, I don't think we ever got any real traction on MTV, which was the only reason to make one at the time. Right. But, uh,
0: man, But you you did have traction on radio.
1: Yeah, and that's probably where the money got spent. You know, that's all – you know that's that was like a little pale of uh, yeah, going probably. on in those days you know i yeah. can't speak to that with any evidence but that's kind of how that works yep. you know uh, how it worked at the time uh uh and even if it's not money you know that just man we did uh, so many trips to radio stations and so many free shows oh, for yeah? radio stations you know and
0: um god that would be a grind
1: and yeah yeah but you know it, <laughs> we we our songs Got a lot of spins. Went to number one on the rock radio It's charts. amazing. Yeah, yeah,
0: it is amazing. Yeah, yeah you guys were played in Canada, too. Like, I remember hearing you on the radio.
1: Yeah, we went up there and did a grueling tour at the end of our, our, our first record cycle. Um, yeah,
0: Canada, driving across Canada, well, that'll...
1: To, I, I remember doing 24 hours in the van one time like literally it's the only time from Toronto to Winnipeg probably done that it was <laughs> it was. I can't remember somewhere I just remember we went through Thunder Bay on our way east Yeah, we were coming from that's somewhere that's like to Winnipeg somewhere.
0: to Toronto that's where you were going man. yeah probably that's so that's a rough you know, that's a rough drive yeah
1: it, it, it was yeah that you know we got out and got played with some of our heroes with, with oh, you know open for Aerosmith and open for ZZ Top and open for amazing Robert, open for Robert Plant you know Yet again, you know, not in the biggest markets, you know, that kind of thing. And it was only three or four shows. Did you get a chance thing. to meet like Billy
0: Gibbons and Joe Perry and people like that? Yeah, at that point? a little you bit. Yeah.
1: yeah, a little bit. It was not, I mean, I wasn't going over and sitting down with them at catering like, hey, what's happening? Yeah, you know? but, but you, yeah, but you, yeah. But still, yeah. that's true. Sure. It was a big thrill a big deal. at the time, you know, because we're, you know, we're just literally four guys guys, you know like from rural north carolina you know these people are not even like real human beings to you know because when you're when you grow up i don't know what your situation was but when there's no real infrastructure Mm -hmm. if that's the right is that the right word you know as far as like music business like it's all on tv or in magazines you know and when you're impression young and impressionable it doesn't seem real or possible to participate in that.
0: You know? Yeah, in Vancouver, where I grew up, there was some infrastructure because there was like network records around right, that time. Sure. And, um, and there was a real rock studio scene going and on. And was there. there like... like that's where Aerosmith made the records. Right. The, Motley Crue L- made, made the Mountain, records. Brian bon Adams and all yeah, that. Exactly. And
1: then before that, I guess Heart had, yeah. had done some stuff, yeah. right? Is that right?
0: Yeah, they, they worked at a studio that's still there. I don't know what the ending of Cry of Love was. Did you guys decide to disband or... Uh,
1: man, you know, we, we put that record out. We got home from that first tour cycle. We ended up parting ways with our singer. It took us a while to find another guy, new, yeah. new guy. Made that record, put the record out. It was pretty much extinct on arrival, you know. The uh, second record. Second
0: record. So that's where you really felt the whole, like... Typical kind of bullshit about yeah, oh, no yeah, here. and you know and
1: at this point too, you know, you have to remember this is a few years later. This is like four years after the, our first record came out, and the landscape had changed so oh, much. That's a long time at radio. This is when like AOR album rock stations were were becoming classic rock because they kind of weren't playing any new. they quit playing new music. Right. You know, I don't really listen to that format anymore. But I, from what I understand, I mean, it's all just the warhorses. Right, that, you know, she's comfortably numb in Hotel <laughs> California. Right right. I mean ah, yeah. And but when we first you know, we kinda got in under the wire in ninety three because they were still doing that at yeah. that point, you know. And and uh, uh so that happened. Yeah, it man, you know, that was nine years, nine years worth. And after all that,
0: you know, I just remember that we were. Did you ever make make any money off that situation? I made
1: a little bit of money yeah. uh, uh, from spins, publishing okay. money. You yeah.
0: Know. Oh, from writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but was no. the band like? Were you out playing successful shows and stuff, or did it not really translate to that? Uh,
1: yeah, we we did at one point. We did okay in certain markets. Yeah, you know, we could we could go from. You know, by the third time on that tour that we came back, it was like, wow, we played to 30 people, and now there's a you know, 1,000 people here. You know, yeah. that, that that kind of thing. Yeah. Not too many markets, but some... Still, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Man. It cost us so much money. We never had a bus, either. We did this whole thing in a van yeah. and, a, and a box truck. And, and probably a lot of it was getting recouped
0: to the label, right? Like, yeah, and we're taking tour to support every...
1: You know, doing it as minimally as we can, and s- still, you're not making money uh from from that part of the thing mm-hmm. um and so it was uh it, it was just a struggle you know and and it had been a struggle for a really long time with some high points in between yeah. but before the high points there was a lot of struggle and and so I, you burnt out i just that's a, yeah that's the best yeah. way to put it yeah i just yeah. i never really thought about it in those terms before but yeah i burn out mm-hmm. i had heard that that the position lead guitar player position in the black crows was, was
0: oh, so that overlapped like that yeah at the at the end of our band okay so you did know. you had you met the black crow like did, had you opened for the black crows I, no
1: we hadn't opened for him but i knew i'd met him just minimally i knew the bass player guy at the time johnny colt had i knew him really not very well but just a little bit from the a uh, cover band days oh is he back, from north carolina back in, he's from atlanta oh, and, okay. and the first cover band i was in was was based out of atlanta Okay. So, uh, so you'd uh, run into him. Yeah, I and 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 one of the uh, one of their guitar techs used to work for my first cover band too. He was from Atlanta also. Okay. And, so uh, you had some connections. Yeah, in that you world. know, just kind of loose.
0: But uh, I knew that that did cry of love break up, and you had no future to look forward to at that point, or uh, were you like, oh, I could uh, maybe well, do this? Well, I was this. thinking about that okay. for
1: sure. Yeah, no, 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 uh, 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 and. But you know, let's be very clear. I, I that must have felt like a bit of a stretch, though, too. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I was la la, la land, also, <laughs> you know. But 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 I want to be very clear in that that was not the reason that I felt like I couldn't continue. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to shut the band down so I can go do this other. You know, it was. I, I I was just fried. I didn't have anything else to give to it at the time. And and uh,
0: the other thing that I find interesting in your career is like basically like I know you've done original music since then but essentially that's like the last project that I know of yours where you've really focused on doing original music you've been a sideman almost exclusively yeah and I've
1: written songs you know I've been I've been I've I've had some decent success uh, uh, artistically uh, uh, a
0: little bit of popularity with some songs that I've co-written with people so was becoming a sideman was that something that you had your sights set on Uh, yeah I
1: kind of figured that out at that point I was like you know what and, I, I, and it jumps off the page when I see other people say this now or when I hear them in interviews, it jumps out of the speaker. They, I hear a lot of other people say the same thing. Man, I want to let somebody else worry about all that other stuff and I just want to go play, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, That's how I felt playing with JT and Allie all of a sudden because I'd always just done my own stuff and then suddenly it was like, just, I, I didn't even know where I was going half the time. I right, in, exactly. Because you don't have to. I still <laughs> yeah. don't. Seriously, I, yeah.
1: probably less now than ever.
0: So, so what was the what was the Black Crows process like? Was that an audition? Thing that was too? an audition. Oh, yes, yeah?
1: and uh, we had some mutual friends, and and yeah, that's that's what that. So was. So they
0: just made that record.
1: They hadn't. I think they hadn't even made it yet. Oh, okay. I think that they. This is ni- 97? 90- seven seven. Okay. I think they had come off a tour. So marked, you still
0: hadn't met them split no Except for...
1: not really okay i'd been you know, like i said on a project so the call just came times. out of the blue
0: or you were no, kind no, of I, working No i, up?
1: I a, a couple of friends i came home from our car of love our little aborted tour that we did on our second record and i remember i was at a coffee shop and a guy came up to me in the parking lot one of my friends came up to me in the parking lot that i saw there and he was like hey man those guys from crows are going to call you cuz i they were asking around if we knew anybody that that could do this gig and so, unbeknownst to me, that had already been set in motion. Oh, um, okay. And then their record uh, that they were making, they they had just Rick Rubin had just done a deal with Columbia. Def Jam. Our band was on Columbia, so our AR guy was able to put in a word mm-hmm. for me to just to get me the audition. Nothing's yeah. going to happen if you don't go if it
0: doesn't click yeah. musically, you know. So, so you go down for an audition in Atlanta. In Atlanta, yep, sure and what did. What was the audition like?
1: Uh, I drove down there in my little 1992 Nissan pickup truck, and uh, they had given me nine songs to learn. We got through eight of them, and it was on a Friday. And I remember them going, "Okay, that's cool." And Steve, the drummer, was like, "Yeah, man, if you get on the road now, you can probably get back home. You can probably beat some of this traffic, you know, because uh, it's was it's a what eight, seven hour drive back." Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, "Are they telling?" did this go good or did this not go good like they're like <laughs> was there any out. indication they're like get out now those dudes are man close to the vest really face, man. okay yeah and i was like either this went really well and they don't need to hear anymore it's kind
0: of awkward right it's like uh, hard to, man like auditioning a, is yeah.
1: sucks man yeah. so i've never had to do it a couple of times but uh mm-hmm. it's terrible for everybody
0: did you feel like for mm-hmm. you it was like i gotta fucking do i gotta nail it or were you just like meh whatever like oh no no no
1: I'm, no, i'm still that way you know if you're going to be a professional yeah you got to be a professional no 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 i worked really hard on this okay stuff. i worked really hard yeah on
0: it. so you showed up you knew the tunes. i showed up and
1: knew the stuff you yeah. know it's the kind of thing where like if you do your best and, and something gets sideways it's, you just got to know you did your best don't yes. you think i totally. mean you know and so uh no i didn't i not so didn't. chris
0: and rich were there chris
1: wasn't even there
0: he wasn't there no Oh, so how were you getting? I'm not the songs? sure the
1: keyboard player Ed was even there either. Oh, Okay. It might have just been me and Steve and Rich and 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 the new bass player Sven. I can't remember.
0: And Steve had already been in the band for yeah a while yeah yeah at that yeah point. those the, yeah yeah Steve Gorman mm-hmm, is, him, yeah. him
1: and him the brothers yeah
0: okay and so what happened?
1: Well, I played the songs and they said leave early.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the, and then you okay. got the gig like what? And and well then I got a call back.
1: Okay. And then that turned into. Well, we're not sure what we're going to do. but And so then they split and went and made the record. Oh. And this went on for months. And I was kind of like, well, this probably is not going to happen, but I'm going to just
0: see. So you what would you do? You know, like, what were you doing at that time?
1: At that point, like, man. how were you surviving? I started writing some other tunes. Yeah. I think I had saved up a little bit of that publishing money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... You know, I'm very capable of living on not very, <laughs> you know, on on not very much. And so... Uh, you don't
0: have kids or anything, do you? No. Uh, okay. So you were a, a lone wolf Yeah, my
1: wife was living, in, this was before we got married, but she was living with me at the time. And, man, you know, God knows my rent was, I mean, you know, it was... Were after, you, after you were I,
0: living in... I was in Raleigh. Raleigh still, at this okay. At yeah. yeah.
1: To clear that up, after I left Wilmington, I went to Atlanta and joined this cover band. Then we then I moved back to Wilmington stayed yeah. in that cover band which was then based in in North Carolina and then when I joined the other cover band it was based in Raleigh and that's what got me to Raleigh so now I was Barney had gone to the big city and in yeah, yeah. where the music scene was But
0: know. yeah it was probably like super cheap rent or whatever and Yeah
1: and there was a lot more happening there than there was down down in Wilmington So so yeah you know all so that So you didn't go say, back
0: to playing in cover bands or anything like no, that No okay. I, I I didn't uh Did you feel like there was going to be a call coming, or did you just think like— I I did. uh, You did? Okay. And I would
1: hear from people that had hung out with those guys. Oh, they mentioned you, you that that kind of thing. Uh, And I wouldn't have been as patient if I wouldn't have been such a big fan.
0: I really—it was all— You just thought this was going to be a— Badass gig. It
1: was all It wasn't about I'm gonna go make A bunch of money And it wasn't about I'm gonna get to be famous And be on a magazine Or whatever You know It was like I really like this music yeah. A lot And I feel like That it's Carries a lot of Emotional weight mm-hmm. You know um, And so Then The following spring There was a Hey can you So how many months This later? is man Probably six months Holy shit something. They went and made really by left your, you hanging They went and made The By Your Side record Okay. You know, and and then they needed the touring player. You know, at this point, I'm, uh, I've never done a side thingy. Right. I have no way to say, hey, I'm not going to wait around. Are you guys going to do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I couldn't pull any cards like
0: that. And you didn't have any other. Nobody else was knocking on your door at that. Not at that
1: point. No. Not not that I can remember. I'm trying to remember. Mm -hmm. You know, there was some talk of forming another band with some other friends of mine and. This and that, um, and I did set set to work working on 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 music, yep. new, you know, writing songs and stuff. But uh, uh,
0: so so in their trajectory, they'd made this new record. So they
1: made the record after I auditioned, right? But Rich played all the guitar on. So now they're going to they're going to go on, on tour, tour, and tour and they need somebody. And they need somebody. So I went back and played with Chris for the first time. And after the
0: first day of us playing through the stuff how was that like how was the how was the hang and the like did you guys hit it off okay and oh uh, yeah i
1: think so you know mm-hmm. i mean it's a, it's a it's a lot of powerful personalities you know and a lot of energy swirling around and brothers man i can't and <laughs> and, and, and and it was uh you know and it was it's very it was heavy you know it was. A, it was a level of of operating that i had never been around you know uh uh tell it, me
0: a bit about that like what i i would imagine the touring is on some crazy level as far well as it was
1: uh, yeah that was all yeah that was all new to me also mm-hmm. i was like wow this is hotel buses and, nice yeah hotels, all probably. that yeah you know all that um so i went down and played yeah and after the first day they were like well we could go on tour right now and i was like well i'm not i didn't show up to blow it yeah you know and and, and I didn't say that to them directly, you know. So
0: So was this similar to what you talked about with the Dixie Chicks, where they're just like we need a year of your time, or was this like a totally different thing? No, this is totally thing. different. Totally what was, different. What thing. was the ask of you for the Black Crows? Like were they was there a specific time?
1: No, I mean I don't I really wasn't thinking about it in terms of, of uh of that. I just figured, well, Alone I'm signed on, I'm here I am. Okay. You know, away we go. Yeah. You know, because that's how rock and roll bands Yeah, man work now did, i was but did I, you
0: feel like you were in the band um on some levels and on some levels not i probably so what levels not um, i guess just like in in artistic yeah
1: you know or, and right. and and you're not profit sharing or anything i mean there's principals and then the other guys are on contract players right.
0: you know um who are the principals just the brothers or uh, yeah,
1: you know you'd have to i i, I don't know okay you know you'd uh, obviously both
0: of them but, but they're they're equally calling the shots in that i mean yeah, it's or? a very Hard odd
1: it's a very odd dynamic you <laughs> okay. know? uh but i don't
0: know anything about their i mean i know that they often don't get along that's like i, I shouldn't say of... an
1: odd dynamic but but it was uh, you know yes brothers it's family yeah. you know and and it's sure. their band so even though you are playing as a contract guy business wise Um, And you don't really write songs, and you don't have any say-so as far as any decisions that are being made and all that. Uh, So you kind of are effectively are a sideman. But it's like you're sort of in the band, but not really. Yeah, sort of a weird spot to be in. you know a, a, a thing but i tell you what there's a whole lot more that goes on than you would realize right. with right with these rock quote-unquote bands yeah you yeah. know but you know it's kind of got to be that way if you've got six dudes that are all trying to raise their hand and we should do you know that doesn't go very far either you know yeah. and they had a very very successful formula yeah. business-wise and first and foremost musically um that was working so at the time even if i couldn't understand it i can understand it now how busy were know. they
0: very. So it was like nonstop. It was a lot. Okay. Yeah. And absolutely. do you get put on retainer in a situation like that? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're just,
0: yeah. al- you're there again, your calendar is just off limits yeah, for everybody you're, else Yeah. You're, you're, you're just you're, you're like, they're beck and call. Yeah. There's, you know. How much I, advance do you get in a, in a. In
1: that situation, there was a lot. Like a year? So, we, well, no, not that much, but you would know, you know, if, hey, we're going to take September off, then you're pretty much,
0: okay. you're pretty safe to. To do whatever they you know. stick to that generally, but or...
1: you know I was coming from the rock band world, man, so I wasn't thinking about like pimping it out. To how okay, well then we got some downtime. I'm going to try to go over here and do this. You know, I was like, okay, well that's what I'm doing. That that kind of thing. Uh So
0: that's how that worked. And then that led to recording the next record, Lions, right?
1: Uh, I played on a little bit of that. Um That's a bit of a, was a bit of a closed shop. Yeah, who, but who I did, produced that record. Don was Lips
0: produced it, right? Um But that and played bass on it too, right?
1: Maybe. I got to be honest with you. I know my friend Andy Hess, I think, played some bass and Ridge played some bass. Don might have played some bass on it. I don't know. I was
0: only there for a few days while they were... So how did that work with you? Like, you knew they were making a record... That's sort of a weird dynamic it's very too, right? Because you're yeah, like you know, you, sort you're, of in the band and, yeah, and did you feel a little left out of this of Yeah, the Oh, yeah. Process? Absolutely. absolutely.
1: Okay. I wouldn't as much now, I don't think, because I kind of understand. Yep. I've been around a little longer yep. and I kind of understand. But, you know, things happen for a reason and the water always finds its level. And, and you know, we had had the Jimmy Page experience in between. Oh, we got to ask you about that. Which was, you know, an incredible thing that, that
0: – Oh, so that happened before Lions. Okay. Right. Um, so tell me about the lion session then. So you just showed up to wherever the wherever it they was were, in New York. It was York, down yeah. down
1: uh, just south of Houston Street in an old Yiddish theater down there. In fact, a song that I co-wrote with Warren Haynes that he put on the Government Mule uh, deep end record, which was a record of their yeah. original bass player Alan Woody passed away, and they yeah. did two records with all. Different yes bass players mm-hmm. and i and a song we co-wrote we cut in the same place cool that you know, larry graham played bass on really From the family we're Yeah, it was a trip yeah, it was awesome but um that was maybe after the crows thing i will say that i went in and uh did was there for a couple days two or three days i guess you went
0: in knowing that you were only going to play on a little bit yeah I, well i didn't know how much i was going to
1: play on but i knew that they had already that they were already doing their thing, you know, and you know, fair enough. That's you know, yet again, these things happen way more than you would think that they would happen, you know, the 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 uh as far as that kind of thing. They had to do what they had to do to get the record done the way they wanted to get it done at the time. How was Don was to you work know, with? Don was awesome, and 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 I'm not going to say we hit it off because I didn't spend a lot of time around him at the time, but but you know, I went in and and did the best I could do, which I think was pretty. Pretty good job, you know. Uh,
0: I really like that record. I mean, I know it sort of gets, it doesn't. It's, it's kind it's of not, kooky. It's not up you know? there in their canon of yeah. albums or whatever, but I, I think it's a cool record. Yeah,
1: yeah. I haven't listened to it, dude, in decades. <laughs> sure I, I, I would have to go back. But I wouldn't be surprised if without the, with some objectivity. Yeah, a little without distance Without the emotional there. attachment yeah. that I would have had at the time, you know. Um, but all that to say is that years later, I ended up working a lot for Don. Oh, you did? Doing these house band things where he's a band leader in fact that last waltz thing that i was telling you about Don was a band leader on that that i didn't that the covid
0: and that's all that all stems back to that
1: session i i think that what happened was this in in 2014 there was a greg allman tribute thing that was happening at the fox in atlanta and they were putting the band together for that and warren recommended me to don i think to 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 play guitar in the band um warren was not in the band he was going to be there but as an artist and 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 lo and behold you know don was like oh i know that guy he came in and did you know rocked it on the black crows on on the black crows record so Uh so the point of that is this steve going back to the doing your best is if i would have let my dissatisfaction with not being included at the time um affect my attitude and my professionalism and if i would have showed up and be like okay guys whatever you know and 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 kind of like um not kind of half-assed my way through it because i was my feelings were hurt might not have ever you know i might not have ever after that recommendation dom might have been like yeah i'll work with that guy it was not too you know you see what i'm saying (laughs) so twenty. So however many years later. That's cool, man. You never can tell. Yeah. So, all you know, kids always do you good. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, and is that when the... Like, did they kind of implode at that point right after that record? No. Uh, or did yeah, you guys tour that, that record? Yeah, we toured it. Yeah. And, okay.
1: and, and, and then at the end... Of, and then it,
0: like they went on hiatus went away. Right. wow went right. away yeah. okay and then that was the end of the gig like that was well
1: i went out and played i recorded co-wrote a couple songs and recorded a little bit on chris's second solo record called right. new earth mud Yep. Yeah. we went out and played we had a really good time playing mm-hmm. it was a great band um and at the end of that he asked me to come they were going to put the band back together and he asked me to come back at that point in time i didn't think it was the right thing for me to do and so Oh, okay. I just declined yeah. the invitation.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you just tell me about the the Jimmy Page thing? I can't fucking believe that. Um, that's just that. I, it honestly seems like kind of a bad idea in a way. Like, it's now that's interesting. Why do you say that? Um, I guess because like at that point, Jimmy Page was a little unpredictable. My understanding is that chris wasn't much of a zeppelin fan i don't know it just seems like a weird potentially there could be a lot to go wrong with that situation
1: oh i think anytime you you combine forces with when you take people that have their own artistic bent you know regardless of the level of success and put those things together that there's potential for some weird things to uh, happen and when you when you add into that global domination <laughs> <laughs> you know, however you want to put so it. So whose idea you know. was this? Man, uh, well, I think that, you know, I can't speak to, I, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you there was a whole lot that happened at the time that I just was not privy to or okay. I'm not going to say blocked out, but just. Was oblivious. It was, it was
0: above your pay grade. It in was the above my, and I was just yeah. kind
1: of oblivious. You know, not, I, I wasn't. I was paying attention to other things.
0: So, d- d- did it just come up one day? But like, oh, we're going to do. This we're going to back Jimmy up Page?
1: Jimmy Page at a <laughs> at a charity event at a club in London. It was and a one off, and it was a one off. Okay, and I think that it went well. And after it went well, someone had an idea. I have no idea who. Okay,
0: so but at that know, event, like right, Jimmy Page walks in the room well we rehearsed the day before so what's that all and about? I had had
1: about a, I'll tell
0: you what happened
1: I, I had had about a month to do some prep work yeah which yet again you know I'm Paid not going to show up at the rehearsal and be like oh, I don't know you know
0: but the um, idea being you're going to play Zeppelin tunes or Zeppelin tunes and strictly? maybe
1: uh, maybe a couple of Crows tunes and maybe a couple of covers I can't remember maybe, maybe like Shake Your Money Maker or something yeah. I can't remember uh, uh, but mostly Zeppelin tunes and so we uh, God that's I would be terrified. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> I uh, So I had about a month to do the prep work and to think about the to let this stew in my head, you know. And so we do the rehearsal. It goes well. And we're like, yeah, we do the breakdown from Whole of Love in the middle of this jam and morning song. And, and Jimmy goes, well, let me hear how you play it. And he pulls up in a couch right in front of me. Oh my God! You know, and we're like, Bomb dop, it, you know, I have to play his thing with him <laughs> sitting right in front. of him. So okay, I'm processing whatever does the kid say I'm processing it. I think it went well. We had dinner that night. He came to dinner, and it was pretty awesome because I don't know if you've seen that movie. It might get loud, yeah. But where he's talking about Rumble, the Luke yeah. Ray song, he's got that he glint in his thing. eye. He said the same thing at the dinner, at dinner yeah, that yeah. night, like he was 15 years old or. Twelve years old, you know, like you. This is a, you gotta listen to Link Ray, you know, crying, talking just, about Link just, Ray, just, basically. Just f- uh, such a fan it was so inspiring. Yeah, yeah. You know, so then the next day we go to play at Wembley Stadium, <laughs> but this is not with him. This is a like Lenny Kravitz, Aerosmith, some kind of festival okay. situation, or whatever. And so we go and we do the gig, and we're going to hang out, and 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 there's going to be, you know. Do you hang out with Jimmy Payne? No, Is he, that a thing? He, I I, he... I, can, I don't think he came. Okay, he wasn't there. But we were going to hang out at the at the thing because we knew the guys in Lenny's band. We played with. Uh, I knew a couple of the guys. Aerosmith, marginally, you know. I think Brian May was there that day, just hanging out, you know, as they cool. do with these yeah. things. Man, we got off stage. Twenty minutes later, I was like, I got to go back to my hotel room. I'm, like, having a, not a full panic attack, but an exhaustion, oh. yeah. anxiety. Like, I got the stadium gig out of the way. <laughs> we just rehearsed with Jimmy Page last night. And I got to play with him tomorrow night. And I just had to go back to my room. Probably the best call you ever and made. And just sit there at, like, five o'clock. I was like, what am I doing? You know, I should be at the, at the thing uh, that dreams are made of. You uh, know. But so when you say terrifying, yeah, it was terrifying. But, uh, but not so- terrifying enough to shut me down. Put it that way. Yeah. you know what I mean. I think I think that.
0: So, how do you well. reckon playing alongside Jimmy Page? Like, how does that work? He's not really known for playing live with other guitarists, really. Right. But the, in the studio, he's got like yeah. nineteen guitar so, parts on. So,
1: yet again, when we decided we we're going to do this tour, I just did as much homework as I could do. Got a hold of as many bootlegs. Called my friends that I knew had bootlegs. Try to
0: figure out like what he
1: is. What he used played. To what doing. he did live. Right. Um, and I will say that i kind of md'd the guitar section not for him but just for all of us yeah. like by anticipating okay i think he's going to play so and so so why don't we play this or you between play this between you that. and chris between mean, me and rich or rich right I mean, yeah. you know and the keyboard player Ed too also okay. yeah and uh so you guys prepped on your own prepped on our own and we had a couple days maybe a day before he showed up or a couple days before we showed up and and I tried to convey all that convey that the best I could, you know, I think this is what we need to do, and here's the harmonies here and and he showed up, and I saw I've seen interviews with him this year where he talked about they really knew their stuff' cool. it was easy, you know yeah. yet again,
0: yeah, kids, you know,
1: and that's not really about you, that's about him and his music. you need to respect that and not show up and be a
0: chump, yeah, you know yeah. and and so uh. Yeah, we put it all together. How was he playing wise at that point? Like he's gone through some real like low this, points. And this some... this was not a low point. Okay, he was he was. Ha, and had also, his shit
1: yeah, yeah, I remember specifically on nights we'd be playing and we'd be in the middle of Lemon Song or something. and He would be doing his thing, and it was that thing. I don't, I'm sure you've had
0: these experiences <laughs> where your head
1: whips around. Yeah, but I've, I've not had
0: that experience. And Jimmy Page is standing. But here. I'm
1: saying with with you know how you're yeah. like there's that sound. Yeah. i've had that
0: with like david hidalgo right but it's not jimmy page right
1: well (laughs) he's his own jimmy page yeah Yeah, nothing against david hidalgo but no 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 no. (laughs) i'm saying david hidalgo who possibly my favorite electric guitar player i'm right with you um one i shouldn't say favorite one of one of my biggest inspirations for a guy that i haven't really stolen much from like literally taken exactly what you mean but i go to that well all the time that's a different discussion yeah uh but yeah, you know, you swip around. There's that sound, Jesus. you know, and uh, so we worked on it. There's a lot of good stories, too many to tell. I just remember one. We were in Chicago, and this was for the second leg. I, I my memory is bad. So was
0: it that that gig went so well that it was like, hey, let's yes. do a tour?
1: Okay. And so the first tour, quote unquote, where that live record came from, I think it was only about five or six shows. We played like in Boston and in New York three nights, and then we went to L.A. and played at the Greek.
0: Which is where the record uh, rest, was right.
1: And then the next, I think it was the next year we were going to do more. Okay. And And uh, we were in Chicago doing, pre, pre-pro- not pre-production, but doing rehearsals, production rehearsals uh, at this old theater there. And Jimmy says, now during 10 years gone, he says, you know, the other harm because <laughs> we had already, na- we nailed all that down the first yeah. thing. He goes, there's another couple of guitars in there. Do you think that we could have Ed, the keyboard player, play that? And I said, yeah. I said, honestly, Jimmy, I asked him to do that on the last go-round, and he just never, for whatever reason, never did that. And he goes, let's go in here and see what they are. And so we go into the dressing room where there's a stereo. I sit down on the floor, and he stands behind me (laughs) while I'm turning the balance knob trying to figure out his
0: guitar part. It's like you're 12 years old again, it's like, well, it's except like 12 years old. Except everything's going,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <inaudible> you know, trying to concentrate to do That's that. Bananas. Yeah, it was pretty bananas. Oh and God. you know, I had the dude. If you come over to my house in my basement studio, I've got I framed it in a in a terrible Hobby Lobby frame, the Circus Magazine poster from 77 tour that I got. You know it's on my wall now because it was on my wall when i was a kid i probably had it on my wall you know yeah and, and so uh yeah there's a lot to be said about that i don't want to go on and on and on about it just, but, but um did yeah. you get some good hangs in with him like on Look, the bus and a little, little bit not on the but no he flew we didn't do that but we went to the music store together he did? you know and, and 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 a little of this and a little of that and he was very
0: very nice to me and very respectful that's so yeah, cool yeah man what an experience
1: uh, it's uh, you know I'm God. I'm still putting it together that it happened like literally you know you know
0: what I mean. I, How know. long was that tour? Like a couple months? Oh uh, man, something?
1: it was only no. I, I can't. We did some and then we took a break and then we did a couple of other dates and then he split and had some back trouble or something. I'm not mm. sure, but the rest of it got aborted. We were supposed oh. to do a bunch more and
0: okay. it got canceled. That's so crazy. God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, we could talk all day, but let's let's kind of wrap this up a little bit with um so now you're in cheryl Crow's band you've been doing that for a good chunk of time Mm -hmm. yeah um it's a real band like when i i don't think we'd met yet but i saw you guys because i was playing the festival day up in quebec city and you guys were headlining
1: yeah. Boy, there was a lot of people at that thing. Oh God, I don't remember yeah. <laughs> most gigs, but I just remember that was the most elaborate catering tent I've ever been in my life. Do you remember
0: that? Well, you you had a different catering tent right. than I did.
1: I was like, but, dude, uh, what is going on? It's just like, be you know. It, it was, was
0: you guys and Brad Paisley. Right. And here's what I remember is like, Brad Paisley's massive and, you know, sort of at the height of his career at this point. But it felt very like Nashville-y to me. There was like, it was very orchestrated and everything was perfect and in its place but when you guys played it felt like a kick-ass rock band and it didn't feel like that at all to me it was like the tones were more up my alley and it was just like you guys were playing like a greasy rock band and it felt great
1: yeah it feels good to do that Mm -hmm. you know the
0: band is really good yeah and and because she had sort of like she lives in nashville right Mm-hmm. Yeah. and she had sort of like la guys probably playing with her I guess through most of her career up to that point No, or I think something, just or,
1: different folks from all over
0: but she wanted mm-hmm. a, like uh, from what Fred told me she sort of wanted people that were more around the Nashville kind of area. I think logistically yeah logistically you know yeah quite frankly it's costs less money you yeah. know what I mean and and uh so was that another call that just sort of came out of the blue or was um, that, so
1: a little bit you know Peter Stroud her guitar player uh, uh the the MD of the group uh uh He's still there, right? Yeah, he has been. He has been taking a a hiatus because of some family health things that he needs to take care of, which are the most important thing. Yeah, you know, uh, I had been friends with him, Mm -hmm. and we had uh, actually made a little EP with a thing called uh, with a group called Big Hat, which was Peter and myself and Robert Kearn's on bass and Fred on drums and Ike Stubblefield on keys and Keith Gaddis, and so we had done some writing and some recording. And I'm not really sure about the pure genesis of the thing. I think that she had some shows booked, and they needed a group. She didn't have—her band was not intact at that point because they had taken some— Did you know her at this point? um, I maybe met her, maybe. You you hadn't played with her, though? No, I don't think so. Her manager was a friend of mine from Mm -hmm. the Crows days. I don't think I had played with her. Her manager is the Black Crows manager? No, 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 no. He was from the Crows days. He used to come around. Oh, I see. Okay. uh, and so I knew him a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. and I knew Peter, and so Peter said, Hey, well, well let's try these guys. You know, let me bring my guys in. So it was
0: you, Jen, Fred? Well,
1: this is before Jen. But oh. but but the but the guys that were in the big hat band were oh, okay. me and Robert and okay. and,
0: and, and uh, not Keith.
1: And Peter, not Keith, and Fred. And uh, yeah, and we just played and, and
0: neither you or Fred had like a, a solid gig at that point?
1: Man, we had just come off of
0: uh, That seems far fetched.
1: No, well, we had come off of uh, making this Courtyard Hounds. We did two records with the girls from the Dixie Chicks, The Sisters, that Jim Scott produced. And we had done some touring with them. And then there was a Dixie Chicks tour in 2010 that we did. That was a bunch of dates opening for the Eagles. So that was 2010. Did we start this thing up in 2010 or 11? It was right sort of dovetailed mm-hmm. at the end of that, the best I can remember. Mm-hmm. Don't hold me to that. I won't. I think that, yeah, because the Courtyard Hounds record came out and we could not tour it because we had taken this other. The cards fell where they fell. and, and Was there an audition? I, or guess, not it, even? I guess it kind of was just to see if we sounded good as a band, you know. Uh,
0: and I'm going to guess you showed up prepared. Showed up prepared, yes. Uh-huh. She's got quite a body of work, yeah. And go, you know, yet learn. again, a
1: lot of really great songs. You know, a yeah, couple of those records I really, really like, yeah. Uh, I mean, I like all of them, but there's a couple that that I had been a fan of pre all this, yeah. You know, um, yeah. um so we, I, I, it wasn't an audition as in, you know, you come in at six and then the next guy's going to come in right. at the, you know, um, that's what that's how well, the Crows one wasn't like that, that was just me on that day. I did, I auditioned for peter frampton's band and that was maybe a couple of guys a day Mm -hmm. i think something like that yeah so that's that's how that came about uh before that was right after the the chicks i think if it was an audition it was more like yeah let's go out and play the shows and it's we'll see how it goes and And, uh and it just things just happen you know you get a certain kind of group of people together and it just makes a sound and either it's either it's a the intentions are 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 good and it makes a good honest sound that 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 fits the artist did you, not, you
0: know? have any inclination that that would be a 10-year gig for you no <laughs> like that's by far the longest gig you've had oh yeah 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 absolutely
1: no i i did not you know
0: and are you are you off the books for everything else when you work with her as well no does she say oh well we'll do these three months yeah we kind of know in advance
1: and then what happens is is if there's anything that we're like anything that i'm doing now yeah if it's something that i feel like i can't cancel i'll let them know hey i'm not going to be available
0: these these days we don't have anything booked you know um but she's she's basically your your number one priority yeah 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 i mean if it was you
1: know if it's just a if it's something that i feel like well I could cancel that, you know, or I could skip out on they'll find somebody else or whatever, but, but things it, like
0: that, like her organization doesn't spring shit on you with like a week's notice it. sometimes they? they do like maybe a late night thing, but or it's something? not
1: her it's not her organization. it just happens if the opportunity comes up right. or something, okay. yeah, yeah, maybe for like a promo a TV thing or a private show here or there or whatnot, but you know,
0: it's not a really an issue and was yeah. it a totally natural gig for you did you find was it a struggle at all to find your place in that music or not really
1: no not really i mean it uh, seems
0: like it would just fit you like a glove
1: kind I, it kind of does and and, yeah. and 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 the key is just to for me is just to try to honor the tunes while doing it your way mm-hmm. you know if that makes it yeah and when i say doing it my way i you know honor the tunes with as filtered through my the, the way i feel like they need to be yeah. honored and just listen and don't play too much that's important, you know. That, that, yeah, you know, that's for me. I'm just speaking for me. You know? Are you
0: guys? Are you guys playing through amps on stage in yeah. that? Mm-hmm. So that's more of an old school approach. Are you Isn't on ears? is that funny or? that you have to say that that's an old school? Yeah, <laughs> we
1: are on ears. Yeah. Oh, you are okay. Yeah. But you've it's got amps low, on stage. It's pretty low volume okay. situation. We got the plexiglass and all that, but we do have amps on stage. Yeah.
0: So in this whole career of yours, which has been like really interesting and intriguing has there has there been a point since like say the black girls thing finished has there ever been a point where you've been like shit man what am i gonna do now like it seems like you've kind of gone from one thing to the next yeah i've
1: been pretty lucky as far as that goes um especially for a guy who doesn't do a lot of hustling you know uh, <laughs> uh and when i say that i mean i i, I i'm just not good i'm just kind of I, I understand i'm kind of yeah. lazy and just not really that guy you know, I mean, I Seems know how to, to have
0: served you just well. By. I know
1: how to put myself in a position to, to be on the radar for something I feel like would be a good fit. Yeah, you know, I know how to do that. Has there know. ever
0: been a year where you didn't work and you're like, uh, Shit, man, I'm is... sure
1: maybe uh, my mother, I lost my stepdad in 2009, and my mom got really sick too, and I went to live with her oh, yeah. for that summer, and so there wasn't a lot happening, but we made that Courtyard Records sound that. I mean, Courtyard Hounds record right after that. Uh, so yeah, there have been yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, there have been times, and there there are times now, you know, yeah. where you know you look at the calendar. But man, honestly, uh, there's always something to do. You know, you can make you can you can take that and 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 do all kinds of creative things mm-hmm. when you don't have something that,
0: where you don't have to be somewhere. You know what I mean? Has your guitar collection grown in the last ten years at all?
1: Uh, it's probably stayed the same because I probably liquidated. <laughs> When it yeah. has grown. but but yeah, I I've I've gotten a few. What's your main
0: X anyway? I I often see you playing an SG. Is that uh, I like that. And, and, is that and, one of your main ones? And and depending
1: on the situation, yeah, I got a sixty-five SG Junior that I really like okay. a lot. You know, yeah. P ninety. I'm a big P ninety fan. That guitar is really cool for certain things. It's very, it's dark. You know, because it doesn't have a maple top people think that sgs are twangy sometimes but sometimes to me the les pauls have them, even more top end than the sgs do depending mm-hmm. on the on
0: the one but uh you play a telly quite a bit too but
1: yeah i really like the Telecaster. i've got to have one particular jeff sin telecaster that i really that's one of my favorite guitars yeah the sg uh with the p90s i've got a couple Collins guitars electrics that are the hollow bottom oh, yeah. ones oh, yeah. you like with those the P90s. There. Yeah. That I really like. I've got one in particular that, 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 that I use on the Cheryl gig. That's a, uh, it's, it's like a, uh, what they call an I 35, but it has, it has P90s instead of humbuckers, that's but cool. it's like the I 30 neck. They had to do something with the neck angle in order to, it's like a hybrid to of fit them in and, and, uh, and it has trapeze tailpiece, very old school feeling. They do a little relicing on it and, uh-huh. you know, and uh, so for, an over engineered guitar, it doesn't feel like an over engineered guitar yeah. or sound like it to me. So, uh, what kind of amps do you use these days? Yeah, the, man, you know, I've got this little 15 watt matchless lightning that I've been using really? on and off for years and years. Do you so guys backline with that band? Only if we have to. We usually take our stuff. Oh, okay. So, uh, that's my main amp now. When I'm just one
0: 15 watt matchless,
1: well, I've got a little 210 drip edge vibrolux reissue mm-hmm. one that I use. For the clean, the more fender, like neck pickup, telly, fender, one or the other, you, one or the so other. So, you've got an yeah. app
0: switcher that you just yeah, have a, okay. and I, I
1: don't use both of them now. When I'm at home, I'm recording. I was just doing something a couple days ago, uh, for someone. I got an old 64 AC30, nice, and I got I that just can, got this, I can pump out the wattage, yeah. I just got this, uh, 50 watt, uh, uh silver front selmer basin treble 50 it's really great and i've gone to the dark side and i just use I, they go straight into the ox and i use the speaker simulator from the ox i've got one of those too. and uh,
0: it's pretty cool actually isn't it
1: works great i never <laughs> i'm downstairs in a non-soundproof room yeah and so i can use headphones if i have to once i get my tones dialed in through the monitors i can put the headphones on and and don't disturb anybody i've got a couple of go-to things it's funny how the ox like the the ac30 sounds best Through the Vox AC30 cabinet, sim with the silver bells and the same speakers that are in the amp. It really does make sense, yeah. Do that, um, but I'll mix and match some things sometimes. Like the other day, I was using the Selmer, but I was using it through a Tweed Deluxe style cabinet, but with a Vintage 30 model. In it okay, and, and for some reason, I don't know, I was just like,
0: it sort of sounded good I in the ox. You mean in the ox, okay. yeah, yeah. That, that thing with the it's kind of endless, like the...
1: so. I've got a bunch of amps and stuff that I use at home for recording, and uh, but I, I really like that sound. I like the you don't uh, use the ox on the road at all, no, unless we're playing a tiny place that I have one that, that I can break. use and I just okay. use it for attenuation. Oh, I see, yeah, like as far okay. as this. It's, man, I have a hard time. I know it sounds good probably, but just not having a cabinet is a hard thing for me yeah. to wrap my head around for live. Yeah. You know, I this, this necessity at my house. Plus, the workflow thing I know, right? is so much quicker because I don't have to, like, I could plug in the mic, go in the other room, mic it up, come back in, listen, go back, put it on the, on the tape, yeah. quote unquote, listen, go back, move the mic, turn the treble up on the amp, come back, listen, you know, totally. you can do it all right there. spin. It. And, you know, quite frankly, I've been playing on, like, records that big-time engineers engineer and stuff, and they all like that they seem to like the sounds. Yeah, they nailed it with that thing. Have you
0: tried the Strymon Iridium?
1: No, a friend of mine has one, though. I heard it's really good, too. It's pretty wicked. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I
0: bet. It's not as versatile, but it's actually simpler in a lot of ways. I like the less versatile, personally, just because it's simpler. I mean, it's like a Deluxe or a Princeton or a Marshall I think
1: I can't and then Vox. There's a Vox, yeah. And the thing about that is, is that then you could quit worrying about backline. That's right, right? Yeah. I mean, just get me a speaker, <laughs> yeah. You know, to monitor through. Yeah. So uh, those I use those. A lot. I've got an old Blackface Showman that I use sometimes. That's oh, fun. cool. Yeah. And uh, and I got a Matchless DC30, which is a no-brainer. Like you, you that's the Matchless version of an AC30. It's hard to make it sound bad. It's hard to do that. But I enjoy the old AC30 too. Yeah. Uh,
0: I bet. Well, I'm glad we got to talk a, a little bit about gear. I don't usually talk much gear on this show, Yeah, I'm not really that guy either so much either. I, I,
1: I begin to glaze over when yeah. the... When
0: the uh, we got it in there though.
1: Yeah, when when the, what do they call that? The uh, phase inverter. When that gets into the, <laughs> the conversation, I'm out, man. I, don't know. I'm, I probably should know way more about that than I do. But.
0: Yeah, I stopped caring a while ago too. I, I mean, I care. I like I well, like, you go I back love to, that, working on it myself, but I, I don't, I don't really talk about it that much anymore. Well, and
1: you know, you go back to—I mean,
0: Bill Frizzell calls them bicycle seat sniffers—people that are really well, obsessed and, with gear. The, well, and the people like <laughs> so all my love. heroes
1: probably didn't even know what kind of tubes were in their amps, Course much not. less what no, the phase no. inverter was. You know yeah. what I mean? All the way up to today, when you see Hidalgo play with whatever janked out yep. rental backline and and some boss pedals and you're like if exactly. I could sound half that I did a gig. gig with
0: him and he showed up with a boss pedal and a rented strat and a backline <laughs> amp and he sounded like fucking David Odd. Al- That's Hidalgo what I'm saying. <laughs> if I, I was just like
1: see so it kind of it kind of neuters a lot of that
0: discussion yeah, to me. Totally. Yeah, it really really
1: does. Yeah. Uh, but that also might be just because I'm not that interested. So, you know. Yep.
0: Well, thanks, man. Hey, my pleasure, this man. It's been really cool talking to you. And uh, you've got a really interesting history, man. It's really cool. Thank
1: you very much, man. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, I'm a very, very, very fortunate
0: guy. Nah,
1: you worked your ass off. Still very fortunate. A lot of, a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah. I've been very fortunate in that I feel like that I have been able to, for the most part, not in every situation, but a very, very high percentage of situations. Played music that meant something to me. Yeah, and I mean that's incredible. That's the barometer. I I think that the idealistic version of me that was formed like the rock and roll music. And when I say rock and roll, I think say even things with a rock and roll ethos. It might be Six Days on the Road, Mm -hmm. whatever. You know what I'm saying? These things that I feel like I okay, that's I'm part of this. Mm -hmm. Or if that makes any sense it's a bit of a lazy way to put it but it's uh, that's how i put it like this rock and roll you know it, it un- encompasses all kinds of music totally but but uh i think that the idea that it meant something to me has always stayed with me and and uh, so that's why i feel really really fortunate in that i feel like that i can uh that that i have been able to play music that did speak to me and and does mean something You know,
0: something that you can believe in. All right. Thanks, man. Cool. We good? Yeah, we're great. Thank you so much for listening. That was my conversation with Audley Freed. Had a blast speaking with him and having him over here at the Hen House. And I hope you enjoyed listening to it. We shall see you in a couple more weeks for another chilling episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. We'll see you then. Over and out. Music Makers and Soul Shakers is produced at the Henhouse Studio in Nashville, Tennessee by Steve Dawson. Please remember to subscribe to the show and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can find more info on this episode, including show notes and an audio playlist at makersandshakerspodcast.com. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors this season, Ear Trumpet Labs, Union Tube and Transistor, Black Mountain Picks, Isotope, and Spectra 1964. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.